What's going on, guys? Welcome back to your favorite podcast on the internet. Your usual host, Grayson Fisher, with me, my co-host, Zach Watts. We bring to you Clocks on the Stove. Our guest today, the one and only Mr. Nick Daniels. Nick, how are we doing today? Pleasure to be here, fellas. Pleasure to be here with you. It's awesome to have you. So like I was about to say before we started, I took a, I took a nap today. And I don't know about you guys, but whenever I take a nap, it's ne- like I'll set like an alarm for how much time I want to nap. And then I always take another nap, at, like another mini nap after that. I can't just do like the one nap. Um, and I woke up and I was like, I thought I was in like another dimension. I, I woke up, I'm like dehydrated. I'm like, I don't know where I'm at. I don't know what's going on. There's like a five minute period where I'm like in the bathroom, just staring at myself in the mirror. Like what is going on? Um, you know, those are the, and it's so hot outside. I woke up to a drench. So I just like did like a workout in my sleep. Um, but this is where I want to go with this. What are, you know, we're all grown men. We're all 23, 24, you know. What are your stances on naps, guys? I want to know what you guys think about naps. Because I saw a um, – you guys know who John Berthnall is? He, um, yeah. yeah, so he's Shane in Walking Dead, uh, the Punisher, uh, Big Brother, Mike, and, and the Bear. He said that if you're a grown man and you take a nap, you're soft. Um, I don't know if I technically agree with that. I just want to know what you guys think on naps in general. Um, you know, personally, I can't trust myself with naps. Because if I'm having a good nap, no matter what timer I set, I'm just going to turn it off and go right back to sleep. Like the other day, uh, because I like work so much, I get I get off work at like three and then usually I'll work the next day. So I only have like seven hours from once I get off before I have to do some go back to work. So I'm supposed to use that for my free time. And I got home and I was so tired after my shower. I was like, dude, I'm, I'm just going to take like an hour nap. It'll be fine. And then I'll just like go back to doing what I want to do. I get woken up at eight o'clock at night when I have to be in bed by like 10. And uh, Ryan's like, yeah, I wasn't gonna let you sleep longer, but uh, you're probably going to sleep through work tomorrow if I keep letting you. And then I woke up and I was like, that app was really good. But at the same time, I now wasted my entire day. But at the same time, like I can understand John Bernthal's position because I feel like once you hit like a certain age, you're like every second is a wasted second that I'm not grinding my life away. Like I need to be earning money or like loving my children. But like, when we're at this age, like you can afford to take a, a nap here and there. Like it's not going to kill you, I don't think. I think Mr. Bernthal's just real off there, dude. You don't need a timer with the nap. You don't need anything. Just oh, get you're, no, you're a no your timer head. nap guy. No, dude. What do I need to be awake for? If I want to nap, I need to sleep. I that's need. Dangerous. I need the energy, dude. When I want to get up, that's when the nap is over. You know, it might be three, four naps in one, dude, if I'm waking up three, four times. Yeah. Fact. It's just you hit that point where you go, okay, I'm now awake and ready to be in a, a member of society again. I have to do the timer. Or I'm going to sleep forever. I also – I had one of those weird naps on, Mon- on on Tuesday where, like, I didn't even know I napped. Like, I was, just on, I was on the couch on my phone, and then I, like, blinked, and it was 8 p.m. And I was like – what the hell just happened? Like I didn't even like I, I didn't even like prepare to take a nap. I just fell asleep. And then I woke up with my phone still in my hand. I'm like, what just happened? Like three hours went by like that. Yeah. I feel like I developed you can't be calling us soft, dude. Can't be calling us soft for wanting wanting a nap, bro. I, I think I think I take a mini nap every single day. Yeah. I mean, we're at the age now where I feel like naps are becoming more prevalent. Like when I was in high school, I don't even think a nap occurred to me. Unless it was I didn't like, have a second to nap, bro, in high school. Yeah, that, that is also true. I mean, we, we've talked about this before. Like 
our high school schedules were so ridiculous that if you were to ask me to like, if you were to ask me now to go, go back and live one of my high school days, I'd probably say no, I would never do it again. No way. No. Yeah. I, I had this conversation with my buddy Daner the other day. You think you could relive a whole week of high school, like the same regimen you used to do? No, no way, bro. I no. wouldn't make it past day three. Dude. It's crazy to think that like, I would wake up, go to school at 6.30, lift with a trainer from 6.30 to 8, shower, go to school, do my fucking awful day of school, and then go to practice, and then come home, eat, and be in bed by 10 o'clock, like asleep by 10. And I do that whole day with no caffeine. None. Yeah. yeah None, dude. Not happening. Absolutely not. Especially now, like... Bang energy wasn't even a thing back then. <laughs> You're not lying. You're not lying. Uh, not I mean, even a thought yet. Yeah. I feel like I just recently started hopping on the coffee wave too. Like I used to never drink coffee. I was, I was the kind of guy that was like, Oh, coffee messes on my stomach. And it still does. Like, trust me, if I have coffee too early in the morning, I'll, I'll be on the toilet for the first 30 minutes of work. But regardless, like, I feel like it's become way more necessary to get through my day or some form of energy drink. I started off on the five hour energy wave. I thought that was the big fad for some reason. I was like, you oh. know, they fixed their flavoring though. When they first started out, that was shit in a bottle that they literally just gave you like, Hey, this is going to taste so bad. It's going to wake you up. Now it's actually like, Oh, this will just like be a gradual, like rise in energy. When you, when you do the five hour, do you like sip a little bit at a time or you just fucking slam it? Oh, you slam it. It's a shot. It it, it doesn't work like, Oh, if I take a sip, it'll be like 30 minutes now. Like, no, (laughs) it's like the whole formula is like spread throughout the bottle. At least that's what I think. I could be wrong. They could they could be one hour time slots for that. That'd be that'd be a good invention. Except I'm not smart enough to invent that shit. Yeah, what would you say, Nick? So so I I feel like baseball players in particular are like huge caffeine heads. Like when we um when we did this summer baseball internship last year, we'd have like a nine o'clock game and kids would be two bangs in, and I was like, holy shit, dude! What what would you say is your go to your go to you know caffeine of choice? You gotta get me one of those blue C fours. Okay. One of the blue C fours. They're two hundred mg's caffeine, so not three hundred like the bang, where you are literally shaking out there. Like whether you've got a performance anxiety or not, dude, you are just shaking out there. Yeah. But the C four also makes like a brain power one that's basically Adderall in a can. Still two hundred mg's, but they've put some other stuff in it. And no like shaking, no nothing. Yeah, dude, you're just locked in. I, locked we, in pitch after pitch. With a kid, oh, dude, pitching is even crazier. I feel like if I was pitching, I'd want to be calm and cool and relaxed. I couldn't fucking be geeked out. But uh, one of our boys, uh, he plays uh, baseball at some school in um in Missouri. He said before a game starts, he needs to feel the tingling in his back from how much caffeine's in his body before he can play. And I was like, brother. You're taking years off your life. Shout out Ty Ellis. Yeah. That's the one who said it. <laughs> that's crazy. Dude, that's crazy. I mean, I've met – I've definitely met some caffeine addicts in my day, dude. Like drinking one in pregame and then cracking another one in the second. It's the bullpen guys, dude. It's the late inning relievers that are just, you know, doing some other stuff during the day, getting them real tired, like – they just drink 600 milligrams of caffeine and go in there with a heart rate of 170. You're like, dude, we don't want you to die, but you're throwing gas. So I guess it's all right. (laughs) You just got to keep going, keep the routine going. 
Yeah, dude, that's crazy. I, I think it's insane when you hear about like, you know, people like that. When when you fight, like when I go to fight, you're not allowed to have caffeine before you fight. They don't let you bring caffeine back there. Now, if you really wanted to sneak it, you could 100% sneak it, but it's considered a banned substance before a fight is having caffeine. Yeah. How I, many weeks before the fight? Like just the day of? The day of. I've caffeine every single day. Okay. Okay. I had a cup of coffee that morning too, but you can't like – I can't be back there and like I'm like up at eight fights and I just slam a Red Bull like they they'll they'll like cut you off the card. Yeah, here's a here's a triple espresso. Enjoy your night. Um, I feel like my adrenaline though yeah. is already so fucking skyrocketed that if I had like caffeine to help boost it, I would crash. Yeah, Base, baseball though. There's two things. Number one, very a lot of downtime. A yeah. lot of downtime. A lot of downtime, dude. Yeah, like especially you have your creatures, like you have your relief, like your bullpen guys that are just sitting there for hours, just like brain turned off. You have your bullpen catchers who may throw in like two full things of dip because <laughs> they just don't know what to do with their lives. Like you, I can understand why some players need that caffeine because it's like if I don't, I'm never going to just be able to like turn it on in the moment. So I got to like geek out for seven innings, I guess. Like I was never that guy. I was just living off energy. I mean, now if you were to ask me to go out there, I'd probably fall asleep if you put me in the bullpen and probably get in trouble for it. I don't understand why we haven't caught more players taking naps during games. Um, I feel like that would be a prominent thing because I would love to just earn millions of dollars, sleep in the dugout, get woken up an hour before I have to go like pitch in the eighth or ninth inning and just go out, throw a shot out inning, day's over. Dude, Chapman doesn't come out before the eighth. He sits in the locker room, bro. That man doesn't walk out onto the field until the eighth inning with his teammates. He goes straight to the bullpen, warms up, goes into the game, pitches in the ninth inning, hits the showers, and goes home. I mean, to, to be fair, I, I probably wouldn't be clubhouse teammates with a guy that shot at his girl, pregnant girlfriend nine times. <laughs> <laughs> hey, just, hey. Man, it may Baseball be best for the team the if you could stay in the clubhouse. <laughs> Baseball is a sport of if you're good enough, it doesn't matter, bro. Brother, that's, that's every fucking sport. Hey, but they're kicking them out of the NFL now and all this. These baseball players, bro, they're just sweeping under the rug. 60 okay. games. See you later. I, I got to admit, I got to admit, I think OJ may have set the bar a little too high. They they let him get him they let him get away with murder on national television and they were like, but did he rush for two thousand yeah. yards? And yeah, but he like, had a two thousand yard rushing season. Yeah. Like now, like now you like you'll get in trouble for gaming, but like OJ got away with murder and the bar was set so high that now it's like, dude, it wasn't murder, like we gotta suspend you. Dude, like, my favorite thing, I, I by the way, I wrote a whole paper on uh on on the OJ Simpson thing my senior year of college. I could talk about the OJ case forever. I just think it's so fucking hilarious that he obviously did it, beat the case on some bullshit, and then wrote a book called If I Did It, but the cover of the book is just I did it with a very tiny if above it. You can't can't (laughs) fucking see it. I mean, genius. That's great marketing right there. Yeah. Yeah. Have you seen the meme of like the the reporter opens the door and he's just like, like pretending to stab the knife? Uh, he's getting a little, he's getting a little too comfortable with it. I think he, the thing is, when that Twitter posts, man. Oh, dude, no, his social media presence is goaded. Is goaded. Yeah, no, he, he is unbelievable in that aspect. I don't, isn't double jeopardy where you can't get tried for the same crime twice unless they present like new evidence? Yes, unless new evidence is presented. Yeah. So unless they find something that they didn't have before that he can go to civil court and they can sue him for money 
but they can't sue him for jail time. Yeah, because, I mean, now he's just kind of like – he could technically just run with a joke. He'd be like, oh, but uh, if I did – Bro, he like, wrote a book, said, if I – I'm telling you, look it up. It says, if I did it, and it, the only words on the cover is, I did it. And then there's an if that's, like, this fucking big above it. I think he's good at sports, fellas. Yeah. yeah, speaking of that, actually, I want to piggyback off of uh, what we were talking about earlier. I feel like there's a lot of different characters and personalities in the sport of baseball. And I feel like that's something I, you know, I wasn't a baseball guy my whole life. Um, I really didn't start dabbling into it until we started this podcast. No, I would say, I would say actually when I went to Carolwood Day School, I started following it more because all my friends were baseball players. The baseball team was really good. And then uh, when I got to college, I kind of backed off. And then last year when we did the summer internship, I was like, Dude, I fucking love baseball. Like, it hooked me on. Like, being around, like, being in, like, I'm not saying I was playing in the game, but, like, being in the culture and the environment, like, being in the dugout, like, being with the team, like, it made me really fucking like baseball. But there's definitely some interesting characters and personalities in the sport of baseball. Um, Some, some of the ones I could think of off top, you have your Hispanic kids who's, they're in a lineage of great baseball players, and, like, they have to be good because everyone was good. You have your super rednecks that are just, like, they either strike out or hit a home run every fucking at bat. Um, I I feel like those are the two ones I remember the most. Uh, I feel like you guys could some dabble off some other personalities in baseball. Ooh, um, the most left-handed prom- pitchers. Those are the weirdest cats on planet Earth, bro. A left-handed pitcher, a left-handed relief pitcher, dude. That is a crazy cat right there. You don't even need to just listen to him talk. Don't even talk to him. Just listen to him for five minutes. You're gonna be like, that that guy needs some help. Oh, some shit. help. Grayson. <laughs> I start I was gonna take offense to that, but you know who literally fits that to a T? Fletcher. Fletcher. Oh, Fletcher was, yeah. <laughs> that kid is an enigma. Is he a lefty? Is he a lefty reliever? Yeah, he's a lefty, he's a lefty oh, reliever. Oh my gosh. Yeah, no, that's 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 pretty spot on. Yeah, that's that is so accurate. You have your oh, you have your frat stars, you have that one or two kids on the team that are just they're, they're either A, the best looking kid on the team, or they just know where every party is or host every party. So they're just constantly like not sober and then somehow able to perform night in, night out. I don't understand it. Um, I'm trying to think of some other ones off the top of my head. Oh, dude, you're just your like typical leadoff hitter kids, like 5'10, 180 pounds, flies in the outfield, flies down the line, can't hit worth anything though. Never can hit, but when he puts the ball in play, he gets on base because he's so fast and he's yeah. just so skinny. It's like if if a, if a fucking big gust of wind comes, he's gone. You know, yeah. just mm-hmm. yeah. And he always somehow slings the ball from the outfield too. Yeah, there's always at least at least this was for me and my and my career. We always had one amazing assistant coach that everyone loved. Yes. Everyone has that assistant coach that they just always get along with. He's like the guy's guy, like all year round. And he's like, he's the mediator between the coach and the players. Like he's able to like bridge the gap. Like he's like the big brother. He's like the more of a big brother than the dad. Yeah. Yes. For sure. He's definitely going to be like that. One of the things that came came to my mind, because I was thinking about this beforehand, is when I got to college my first year, I like you pick up habits from hanging around the baseball team that you don't even realize. Like for us, um, I was talking to Derek about it. I had the biggest hook on poker when I got to college, like because of the baseball team, like poker nights went 
crazy for no reason. Like it was just, everyone was obsessed with poker. You couldn't describe it. I know um, with, I was talking to my cousin, Derek plays away. He was talking about how what their poker nights, like when they would just like get money from the team for like NIL stuff, it was like poker night. Like you're throwing it down on poker night. It like didn't matter what it was for. Like you just. This is all alleged by the way. It's alleged. No, this is NIL. So it's fine. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, this is last year. Like NIL deal. No, we're not throwing anyone under the bus, but uh, you take your NIL money, you go, you play poker through the night. I remember this was funny. They were telling me he, I was talking to Derek because after they got eliminated by LSU, I was like, I thought he'd be really down in the dumps, like just like kind of upset about it. And they were like, they were mad that they lost. But at the same time, the moment they lost, one kid in the locker room was just like, I'm going to the casino right now. He goes, he goes our, season, our season's over. We have nothing left to like worry about. He goes, I'm going to the casino right now. And all the players are like, okay. So then they all they all just went to the casino directly after the game in Omaha and just enjoyed the rest of their night. And they said they weren't even like that mad that they like had lost. They were just like, yeah, it happens. We lost the greatest game of all time, so we can't really be upset about it. But Nick, when you uh when you got to college, did you pick up any uh did you pick up any habits from your teammates? Dude, the habits I picked up were more so like on the field, bro. If I'm being honest, like. No habits like that. A lot of my teammates taught me how to grow up, if I'm being honest. Every day, dude, being around them, seeing them work, being professional, definitely taught me how to be a professional. Um, definitely got a love for nicotine. I'll tell you that. Yeah. All, all forms of it, brother. All forms of it. Um, yeah. But, yeah, dude, a lot of it was just becoming a professional, man, like – I got to school. I was talented. I didn't know what the hell I was doing though. And when you get, I feel like in baseball in more so than other sports, like in basketball, you have to be better than the guy next to you. But in baseball, it's like, you're only as good as the worst guy on your team. So everybody is trying to bring everybody else up to make sure that, you know, we don't want to suck. So you can't suck or else when we put you in the game, you know, can we depend on you kind of thing? I think another thing is, and I'm not going to name names, but Zach's going to know who I'm talking about. I feel like the one thing about baseball, and like I said, I've never played baseball. This is just from observations and like being around a bunch of sports. I feel like a one one cancerous person can destroy a team and more in baseball than any other sport. I really do believe that. And it's, that's very true. Yeah, like in football, you can have, you have 22 guys that play offense and defense and then another 30 so that play special teams like one guy that's an asshole like you can kind of keep that in control I feel like with baseball it's so dependent on everyone being in sync that like one like for example I remember our junior year there was one kid on the team that no one liked and like when he was pitching one of our outfielders purposely let the ball drop and didn't catch it just so it'd like be on his fucking on his record you know like I know Zach knows exactly what I'm talking about I then, this, <laughs> this, then Nick this kid transfers one kid transfers and then the fucking best season in school history the next year. And it wasn't like the players were different. It wasn't like anything else happened. It was just the one cancer the team was removed. Am I, am I wrong, Zach? That's exactly what happened. And, it, yeah. and and I didn't realize that. And then I was talking, I was like, it's crazy how one bad apple in, in baseball can be so effective to the whole team, where like in other sports, you can kind of push it away. Yeah. Dude, in baseball, there's really like no backups. You know what I mean? So you're depending on the same nine guys. It will eight position players every single day. 
And like they get an off day for a bench guy or whatever, but a lot of it too is the pitching. Like, do you depend on this guy to go out there in the heat of the moment and get you three outs? And it's like the ones that are in the dugout telling you like, oh, I could do better than him. I could do this. It's like, then it spreads into other people's mind that like, oh, this is an okay thing to think. When in reality, the best baseball team every year is the one that knows their role. Where each guy, one through 25 or 26, knows why they're, de- why they're there and shows up every day and does their job to the best of their ability. Mm-hmm. And those are the guys that make it to the big leagues, dude, not the most talented guys. There's guys in double and triple A that are way better than some big leaguers talent-wise, mm-hmm. but they can't show up every day and do it, bro. They're yeah. not a professional either. Yeah. And it, it's not an easy thing to do either. Like baseball, we've had this conversation before. Like it's the only sport where we play. Like in college, it's like 60 games a year. Professional is 162. Like there, it really isn't like practicing after spring training. You're just rolling out and playing games every single day or in college. Every, it's every weekend. You know, you got your Friday, Saturday night with, you know, a midweek game mixed in there. But, you know, you have to have the mental fortitude to be able to show up every day. Cause like, if let's say like a guy strikes out and he starts slamming his helmet and getting pissed off like that, other guys are going to look at that and be like, Hey, like we have to really pick him up. Like, no, they're just going to like take that in and see that and be like, Oh, well he's pissed. Like we can't go near him. Like that's a guy we got to avoid for the rest of the game. Or, you know, you see a pitcher's not doing well and he's down on himself. Like you want to pick him up but at the same time. Like if he's not mentally like accepting of any help, like you're not going to be able to like bring the team together. Like there's no camaraderie in that aspect. So it's very difficult to like be like there's a level of accountability that you just don't see in other sports. Like it's more so like I like when I played other sports, it was kind of like handle your business. You'll be okay. Like every like someone will pick you up if you need to. In baseball, it's like you need your team to kind of pick you up when you're down. Like you and you also need to be able to carry your own load at the same time. Like you gotta have the mental strength to just persevere through the bad times. Cause I mean, you know, the success if you're successful three out of ten times, you're a Hall of Famer. Like that's been exactly little. So like we fail more than anyone. And yeah, we're not, we're not supposed to be mad about it, but accepting failure is an extremely hard thing to do. Dude. Baseball will humble you in ways that you never even thought you could be humbled. I've gotten humbled just in like the last month, dude. I mean, up here, dude, I've faced the same team probably four or five times in three weeks. And dude, by the fifth time, it was it was not a pretty scene out there through five innings for your boy here on the pod, <laughs> you know. But you just have to take it in stride, take what you can from that, and move on. Especially for me, pitching, dude, I play like once a week, so I have to be able to focus the other five, six days in between on one game. Now for hitters too. They have to wipe clean and 0 for 4 in 12 hours overnight, show up to the field at 1 o'clock, get their swings in, get their ground balls in, and then start the game and get to work. Yeah. Baseball also, what really, like, was frustrating for me is, like, in other sports, if you do something perfectly, you'll tend to see results come out of it. Like, you Mm -hmm. will see something good happen. In baseball, on the mound, you could throw a pitch – on the black, completely dot the corner. If a kid could just throw his hands, get a blooper, or even if he squares it up, like double home run, like nothing you could do about it. Like you delivered your pitch. You did what was perfectly asked of you and something still went wrong. 
Same thing at the plate. You can square up a ball, hit a 110 mile an hour exit below off the bat right at the shortstop, and it's caught. And there's nothing you can that's, do. With yeah, that. that's what that's one thing that frustrates me so much about baseball is the fucking margin of error is so fucking small. Like yeah. you can go yard, you could literally hit a fucking home run, and it's half an inch short, and it's in play, and you get out. Yeah. Like you could literally hit a perfect fucking ball, and then it goes half an inch too short, and the wind catches it at the last fucking second, and you're fucked. You know, yeah. or like you said, you throw a perfect pitch and the kid just gets underneath it and it's gone. It's like you, you can't your coach can't even tell you anything because it was perfect. You know, yeah. it's like, there's just so many like the margin of error. That's why I say I look at baseball more as an art than I do a sport. I think it's more of an art form than it is a sport. It's just the margin of error for things is so tiny. And like, what's the reaction time to a fucking pitch? Like what, 0. 0.6 seconds or something like that? It's less. It's point three five to make up your mind. Yeah, I think you have yeah. 0.5.6 in total from like delivery. That's to catch. insane, dude. That's you, fucking nuts. Yeah. You have less than a blink of an eye to decide whether or not you're swinging or not. And we're talking about guys in the major leagues now that throw anywhere from like 103 miles an hour, 104 now if you want to run, or guys that just perfectly locate pitches with like 20, like 15 to 20 inches of run from either yeah. side of the plate. And then they'll bring in a guy who's like catered to beat you. Like you're like batting righty and they're like, oh, we'll bring in a righty that throws like submarine like behind your back. So we're like, you can't even see it. Like you've seen him once a year. You're like, oh, well, I, I'll i go out there and try my best, I guess. Like I remember when I was in high school, I used to think uh, the baseball players, like when I was a Jesuit, I used to think they were such pussies. I was like wrestling so much. <laughs> like, you guys are such pussies, blah, blah, blah. And then I got to Carroll Day School. Like I said, I became friends with everybody. So I, I gained a respect for the sport. But I remember being at Zach's house, like one of the first times I ever hung out with Zach. And he was like, yeah, let's play um, let's play MLB The Show. You know, like, let's just fucking throw it on. And he throws it on. And he just starts carving me up at the plate. And I'm like, bro, I can't fucking read this. And he just looks at me and goes, now imagine real life. And I was like, fuck, yeah, yeah you're right. <laughs> dude, I've gotten a couple of bats up here, man, lately. And, dude, you go, I, I went 0 for 4 the other day and I squared hey, you're up swinging? two balls. You're swinging up there? Hey, one of my teammates to just didn't show up, dude. He didn't show up. Our coach is like, you're going to have to hit today. I'm like, all right, throw me in there. But four good at bats, nothing to show for it. Nothing. Yeah. Dude, it's like, that's the name of the game, bro. Dude, the, like the absolute buffoonery that occurs in summer ball compared to like the regular season is unbelievably different like it is night and day from a summer ball like experience oh yeah like an in-season experience with like your actual team summer ball is literally the wildest experience it's literally summer just ball hey, awesome summer ball yeah. is fucking awesome yeah you're literally like every kid in the country that plays baseball is just like hey i'm gonna go to another state and play with 25 kids that i have no idea for a coach that doesn't even know my name half the time and we're gonna go try to win a win a tournament over the summer and it's just like everyone's just on board you're like yep yeah, we're gonna go do it together like let's just hop on board and have fun with it like dude i don't know if you have any like funny summer ball stories but like even from me and grayson's internship this past summer like just getting to see the different characters on the team like it just blew my mind that these guys could even like win ball games together like i'm like there's no way we have like guys from eight nine different states some that barely speak english some that like have no idea what it's like outside of their little hometowns to just play the same game together. Like it just does not like, sometimes it just doesn't make sense to me. I don't know if you've 
share that sentiment. Dude, in 2020, I did summer ball out in uh, Texas, the COVID summer. They, the double and triple A teams out in Texas threw together a collegiate league because they wanted all to make money still. So we got treated like kings, double, triple A baseball players, bro. The whole experience for two months out there. And dude, I flew out there showed up at the field next day and it's like you're scrimmaging ready to go dude on the mound i mean i had kids from oklahoma the northeast california texas a bunch from florida like then you get some kid from like michigan you're like how do you even play baseball up there dude it's so cold like how are you any kind of good but those are the kids with so much natural athletic ability dude that a lot, of, a lot of the kids from up north, man, they get to college or they get to the minor leagues and they'll, they'll be a little later pick, but then they get in the hot sun all the time, every day, getting to play and learn, and they become the best ones. But then in 2021 summer, dude, I would drive down to my summer ball games the day before, pitch, and then drive home right after. And my teammates just knew me as the kid that showed up up won him a game and left like that was it yeah i love like oh dude nick's here we're gonna win today i'm like yeah me and zach ran media for a summer ball team that was my my final like class in college was a three credit internship and it was one of the it was brutal but it was one of the most fun fucking things i've ever done in my life and it's just awesome because the kids would show up we'd have a fucking double header they're going to slam 600 milligrams of caffeine. They're going to throw a fucking lip in. They're going to play a game. Then they all go back to the hotel, get pissed drunk, and then do it again the next day. It was just the same exactly. thing over and over and over and over again. It was fucking awesome, dude. And they would like – everyone hated our coach. Like kids would just tell them to fucking shut up. Like we have kids quit. They would literally quit and be like, you're a pussy, and then just leave the group chat. Like they did no respect for him. It was so much fun. Like being in the bullpen chirping. Like I've never done that before. Like – we weren't on the team, but we were a part of the fucking team, me and Zach. Like, we were in the bullpen. We did all the media. We did interviews. We fucking did all the commentary for the games. We did all the updating for the score. Like, we were in there with them. And, like, we would chirp with them. Like, it was it was a fucking good time, bro. And there's not really, like, beef because no one really gives a fuck if they win or lose. Like, kids are more than – Not at the end of the day. Yeah. We, we had one beef moment, like Grayson was talking about. It was so funny. This kid, he, like – I don't even know how to describe his personality, but he put in the group chat one day. He was like, hey, guys, like, really want to thank uh, all of you for the opportunity. Like, uh, he's like, I'm going to be playing for, like, another team in the same organization. Like, he was, like, trying to make it this heartfelt message, but we only, like, knew each other for, like, two weeks. It's like, no one really knows each other. And then the moment he sent that, a kid immediately responds with, shut up, bitch. And then everyone was just like, yeah, we don't care. They're like, we don't care. They're like, go. They're like we don't know you. <laughs> Get the fuck out of here. Leaves the group chat. Everyone starts dying laughing. We're like, dude, why did you shit on him? And he goes, why not? He goes, I, he's like, I'm not going to see this kid in two weeks. Or we're like, oh, okay. Like, I guess that's one way to go about it. But it's, there it's, are, there are also some, some sleeper dogs in, in, yes, in, dude. in summer ball. Like our, some oh, dogs, uh, Gino Bellantoni. I'm giving a fucking shout out to Gino Bellantoni right now. There's three catchers on our team. Two of them quit. So Gino caught the whole rest of the fucking summer, bro, and a hundred degrees, double headers, day in and day out. He was the only fucking catcher. Shout out Gino Bellantoni, bro. What a dog for that. Yeah, we had like 
Dude, and they just don't care, bro. They'll just get back there and catch the ball and throw it back. No, a thousand milligrams anti-inflammatory deep at eight o'clock in the morning, dude. Just ready to go. Like, please throw me strikes. Yeah. Catchers blow my mind because number one, like I feel like where I am now, if I have to like bend down to get something and I like squat down, like my knees pop, like that's just how it is. Like it's just not a comfortable experience. The fact that catchers literally sit in a squatted position for nine innings for like 60, 70 games and all the bullpens they catch, it just doesn't make sense to me. Like there's not enough Advil in the market that could save them from knee problems later in life. Like I just don't see it. Like I just don't see how they can like live with the knees that they have. No, my dad's knees are fucked. That's why he had to quit baseball. My dad walked on to the baseball team. Sorry, I'm gonna feed my dogs while we're doing this podcast. We're gonna get a little uh we're gonna get a little interesting today. But he made the Florida State baseball team. They gave him a preferred walk on, he made the team. And then the after like because w- when he's on the walk on, he gets it's a catch for walk on pitchers, and they were just dog shit. And he he went home the next day and he's like, he couldn't walk. And he's like, I'm not trying to do this for the next four years and barely play. He's like, this shit's just not fucking worth it. And he's had like hella knee surgery since and like think about it too is like when my dad was was our age there was no trainers there was no weight room there was no fucking science like what's your mouth on it we just throw some dirt on it and go play the next day yeah dude and that's the thing now is like all the technology the problem with baseball is now dude all the technology it's a bunch of people that have never played the game telling these guys how to play the game now and, dude, especially youth baseball, man, I do a lot of stuff with youth baseball. It is so watered down. It's unbelievable. It used to be like a privilege back when I was in high school and a kid to play travel ball. Now I run these tournaments, dude, and I'm like, how do you even put a team like that together and think you're going to come here and compete? But it's such a money grab, dude. They're charging these kids $2,000 two or three times a year to go out there and play and it's like I, I the talent in baseball is getting better on the high end but like the medium talent those guys that you know go to the next level in college and then take off you're gonna start seeing less and less of it yeah just because they're not getting to play the good competition year round anymore yeah baseball is always at least like in my time like it just feels like money has become such a crucial factor in it. Like you need the best equipment. You need the best trainers. You need to be able to pay for these tournaments. Like the perfect game tournaments make no sense to me. Like you're only going to pay for it to get a grade put on your profile so that a college scout can scroll through perfect game, see your grade and be like, Oh yeah. Like, and they don't even care about it. That's the thing, dude. They've told, I remember every college recruiter I would talk to is like, I don't give one fuck what perfect game says about you the only reason we like perfect game is because it puts all of you guys in one spot at one time so we don't have to go from state to state to state to see you play they just bring you all to this tournament put in 380 teams bro so they make their money with the tournament and then the recruiters get to come and see everybody in one place yeah and like most kids well i wouldn't say most kids but like I know like at least a handful of kids from my experience that got their college offers just because they played well in front of the scout that one time and it got in their look. Like all you need to do is play like 
one like one good game in front of a scout that like they need for that position and they'll give you a chance like if like if the timing's right timing's a big thing with baseball too like a lot of the times there's a lot of guys that have the talent and will just never get seen because they're in, like you said up in bfe michigan like that'll never play like quality competition or like get the respect that they deserve because it's like who cares like no one no one wants to go up there and watch you play or you don't have the money to come play at these big tournaments like the like the wood bat is it like the wwba the world wood bat stuff like yeah that always just like dude you're paying thousands upon thousands of dollars for what like what are you really getting out of it the only thing i'd say to that is because i was blessed enough to do this like i i think my team finished ranked second or third in the country like for us dude we would go up there and it was exposure like we got the the what the perfect game experience is supposed to be but if you're not and like they would pay for most of our stuff too like i didn't pay much to be on that i paid for my hotel room maybe but like no entry fee on the team nothing like that it's the kids that like i said get into one of these watered down programs where they're the best kid on the team but they wouldn't be able to really play on one of these better teams they go up there thinking, oh, I'm the best, I'm the best, I'm going to get noticed, and they get thrown on some backfield in Atlanta, Georgia, bro, where there's nobody, and that's all they get. It's a very – there's two sides of the coin for it. It's uh, – you, you, you have to be on a good team to get the exposure because that's all they really care about. Yeah. I, but social however, media has changed things. Y'all ever hear about the reason why Colin Cowherd got fired from um from ESPN? No. He was on a segment and he stated um that within the next 25 years, bless you, you're going to see a start where the play, kids from America are going to start catching up with kids in the DR and those in those Hispanic countries in baseball. And he said it's not because of their skill level, it's because the amount of money that's being put into trainers and and all these other things in America that the Dominican kids and the Puerto Rican kids and the Cuban kids don't have access to. And ESPN fired him. They said that it was racist. Well, first of all, it, from a econo- uh, economics point, it's a lot more money in America than all three of those. Yeah. Companies. I don't know how that's racist. Second of all, I think that's a, I think it's one of those arguments where it's a yes and no. I think that yes, you're going to see it catch up because of those reasons. You know, kids have trainers, kids have, you know, summer ball, they have they have all these things that those kids in those third world, no, not third world countries, but like poorer countries don't have. But yeah. I also think there's an aspect of not having shit is what makes you fucking good. You know, it gives you that dog. And and we always say, like, as a youth wrestling coach, I always say this all the time when a parent asks me, like, my kid's not that technical. What's wrong with that? I go, no, but your kid has a dog in them. I can teach your kids all the fucking wrestling moves in the world. I can teach them every position. I can teach them that. I can't teach them to be a dog, you know? So it's way easier to teach kids, you know, how to properly do mechanics and stuff when they have a dog in them rather than getting a kid that's very technical and knows all the mechanics, but he has no fucking, you know, like, fuck you in him. He has no dog in him. Yeah. Dude, the th- the thing is with the kids now is their parents never played or, like, they played in high school or something like that. And it's like they'll listen to anybody that – they like the first person that tells them something like there's so many trainers I see that 
dude, they are not qualified at all. And they rake in thousands and thousands of dollars a week training kids with no experience at all and not making them any better. So to Cowherd's point, I don't think that we're going to see ourselves catch up to them because in the DR, they do it one way, bro. Like you go and play baseball every day. You go to school for an hour and then you play baseball the rest of the day. Here, these kids still got to go to school and then they might not even be going to someone that, you know, knows what they're talking about. And especially in Florida where we're from, dude, it's money grab left and right from these people. We're scam central, honestly. Like, I was talking. To, I'm not gonna out anyone, but I was talking to a kid recently, and I was asking him like, "Oh, like, what are you doing for like work now?" He's like, "Yeah, dude, like, I just put together like a portfolio, and like, I just offered myself as like a pitching coach for like youth development for like 12 to 15 year olds." And like, I last time I played was high school baseball. I'm like, I'm like, dude, people buy that shit. He goes, dude, you have no idea. And, like, that guy doesn't know what the fuck he's tied. Like, he's part of the problem. No offense. That guy right there. That's why I didn't say his name. That's why I didn't say his name. I mean, holy shit. It's the people like that, man. That, like, and I respect their hustle. I will say this. I respect the fact that they have enough dog in them to convince people that they know what they're talking about. That's what life is is getting a bag but it's just sad at the same time like you never know what kid could truly be good if he had the right coaching the right someone to steer him in the right direction it's not just it's not just baseball because i see the same fucking thing in wrestling like for example i've been a coach this is my second year being a coach okay i was an assistant coach last year at american heritage and now i'm a i'm a i'm, a, I'm not a head coach but I'm, I'm one of the head coaches of the high school program uh, caveman that I'm at now, I've been offered five head coaching positions for high schools. And it's like, bro, I'm 23 years old. I should have no business being a fucking head coach for wrestling. But then I go to a county tournament. I go to Hillsborough County duels. And these coaches don't know. They don't even know moves. Like they're just yelling, like, get up, get up, wrestle harder. Like they don't even know what they're fucking saying. And I'm like, it actually puts into perspective how people will just have a title. And then instead of looking into like, all right, is this guy a qualified coach? Or this guy knows what he's doing is, he wrestled in varsity for four years, 20 years ago. He knows what the fuck he's doing. And it's, it's ruining wrestling in Tampa. And it's it's actually, like, super sad to see. So it's not just baseball. It's just the laziness of people looking into their products is what I would say. Yeah. I, also, I feel like another thing is just because you were a good player does not mean you will be a good coach. Like no. There are, yeah. There are so many people that, yeah, you were good, but you have no teaching ability. Like, a lot of the things that made you good, you can't just like instill into a kid or like just just be like, oh, do what I did. Or like, oh, yeah, like just do the same things I did growing up. I'm like, dude, you you were just maybe naturally more gifted in that aspect of the sport than they were. Like they're not. Just That's what it is. So the best coaches I ever had were terrible in high school. They were terrible. Yeah. But why it's because they understand the fuck. They didn't have the athletic ability to be sloppy with their technique. So they can coach it because they know all the technique. Like, for example, bro, my I'm very lacking credentials as a wrestling coach. I was, took fifth at state. You know, like, I'm not a state champ. I never wrestled in college. Like, I'm very lacking credential. But since I wasn't a dog, my attention to detail, my attention to technique is so much more, like, not superior, but more, like, focused because I couldn't get away with being a fucking jacked guy or being, like, our friend Julian who could do a backflip at 180 pounds and into a full split. 
You know, they can get away with not knowing little things because they're so fucking freak athletes. I didn't get that. You know, look at my my best friend, Daner. Same thing. He wasn't very credentialed. But you look at the other way, too. You got guys like Kyle Snyder, who's a fucking Olympic champion. He he says it himself. I can't coach a high school practice because I just don't understand why they can't do it. Because he can sled push a thousand pounds. You know, like, yeah, not everyone can fucking do that. Yeah. I, it's just like I agree with Nick. Like, it's just such a watered down product these days because people are just so eager to find the cheap way around it or find like the easy way. Like everyone wants to find the easiest way to do something. But at the end of the day, like it, there is no easy way. Like if, if you want to do what it takes, like you're going to have to embrace like the hardships of what you want to accomplish. Cause like they say, if it's easy, everyone would do it. Like there is no, like there's no cut in corners and the route and the routes of success. They're like, there, there is very little opportunity where you could just like skip over things or just, kind of look over certain facts like you have to take it one step at a time and yeah you may be good in some aspects to where like you may seem you've like cut corners or like you've skipped a couple steps but at the end of the day like you've all like we've all been through the same stages at some point like we've all walked the same path to a certain extent if that makes sense i gotta be dude and a lot of these kids that just play youth sports now like Dude, I remember when I was 13 years old, I got onto a new team and I didn't play, bro. I had to fight out there. I had to fight for playing time, dude. I had to earn my way onto the field. Now it's like, if you don't play, dude, your dad will just rip you off the team, go put you on a one that's not as good where you're going to get to play every day. And like, while I understand the benefit in that, it's like, we are creating no dogs anymore. We're just we're giving them all the tools and everything that they need, but not teaching them how to I mean be men early, dude. Yeah. Teaching them how to be men early. I feel like I, baseball has taught me more about being a man than anything, you know, because I had to work through it. I had to put myself on the field and actually do well out there. But now it's like oh, you didn't play this weekend, dude, or you went 0 for 10, let's rip you on this other team where they don't know that you're not that good. And we'll just keep, you know, going down the line. There's never work hard anymore. So I got a question actually to go off of that for you guys. What would you say is something that is – how do I put this in a question? What's something that's – I wouldn't say underappreciated or like underdone, but what is something that you think is – is is very important to the success at, in baseball that isn't looked at as as much if that makes sense. Like, what's something that you think like you need to do this? Or a lot more kids need to do this, but they they overlook it or they don't do it. Oh, elasticity in your body. Uh, you need to definitely explain that, brother. You have to. If you're going to be 225 pounds, you have to be able to move like you're 180 with your joints and limbs. Okay. So these kids, they think going into the weight room and juicing up and getting jacked is going to help them throw 90, 95 miles an hour, but then they can't move their tendons and their limbs, bro. They're, then they've got rotator cuff, torn out the thing, labrum torn or UCL torn. Like it's, and I go to a place in Tampa called diesel where it's very rotational athlete specific. You have to learn how to rotate and be elastic I, I say like a rubber band like when i'm throwing the ball i'm not like oh i'm gonna throw this ball hard 
I'm like, I'm going to throw this ball fast. And the difference is hard means tense, fast means loose and whippy. And especially for a guy that's me, I'm 6'4", 200, 205 pounds. I have to use my long limbs and levers to get the ball to the plate. Yeah, I I agree with that. Especially in the sense that like stretching, especially now, like we've kind of started to pick up on it, but people were so like obsessed with the whole like steroid era baseball. And it's like, Oh, like you just need to be massive and like the power will come or, you know, like, well, they didn't even take the steroids for that dude. They took it because of the recovery properties. of yeah. it. That's the yeah. same thing with MMA. Like all, a lot of guys in MMA, they get caught. They're not really getting, uh, they're not really using the, the steroids to be stronger. They're using it to get their, their, they want to fight more. So they want faster recovery so they can go jump into the next fight. Yeah, Tatis last year, dude, um, when he got suspended for doing PEDs, it's because he got into a second motorcycle accident, broke his wrist again, didn't tell anybody, showed up to spring training, and they're like, what the fuck, dude? Are you serious? His teammates are like, we can't believe you did this. So he takes the PEDs to try and get back on the field faster, bro, and he's a week away from doing it, and they're like, pee in this cup. And he's like, oh, shit, boys, I'm popped. Yeah. I I get what you're saying, but I was referring to, like, the like the original fad with, like, PDs and stuff. Yeah. Like, you look at your Mark McGuire's, your Sammy Sosa's, your Jose. Large men. Like, back then, like, there was no, like, special steroid, like, focus for, like, recovery shit. It was literally just, you're going to put this in your body, and you're going to you're gonna turn into a gorilla. You're going to hit fucking bombs. Yeah. You look at you look at old UFC, it wasn't like, oh, you're going to take EPO so you can recover faster. It was not. Nah, we're going to turn you yeah. into a fucking tank. Like, we're going to turn you into a meatball. I like, I like this topic that we're on, and I think, you know, a lot of people ask me all the time, like, especially, like, uh, dads and kids that coach, like, what's your workout routine for being a fighter? Like, what's the kind of workout you should do, I should do for my kids, blah, blah, blah. I, I think functional lifting is something that is dying out now. I think the the era we live in with social media is if you're not fucking benching 300 pounds and you're not squatting 500, you're not deadlifting 700, you're never going to be a pro athlete. Bro, I've, I've hit 215 on bench one time. But my functional, my core, my explosive muscle, my, in my, my uh, muscle endurance, that's what I focus on when I lift. I almost never – my, my trainer almost never gives me a pro a program where it's like, we're going to murder you and lift you as heavy. He's like, no, that doesn't benefit me for my sport. That's not going to benefit me. I'm never going to be in a position where I need to bench press 400 pounds. It's never going to happen in my life and my sport. Now, you know what is? Deadlift. I'm going to have to pick a body up. That's very important. You know, single leg squats. There's a lot of situations where I'm putting all my power onto a single leg. You know, hip, hip explosion. Your punch, your kick, your shot, your sprawl. All comes from your hips. I don't lift stupid heavy, but I lift with a purpose. Every lift I do is functional to my sport. And I think that's a big issue we have today is too many kids, and I do blame social media, just want to lift as heavy as they can. And then they're fucking blowing out their backs or they're having knee issues they never had before. Like, yeah, bro, you're 150 pounds. Why the fuck are you trying to squat 400? That's not going to benefit you. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. Uh, Another thing – like that I like to see two things I want to bring up. One thing that pisses me off more than anything in the world is people have the assumption that just because you go to the gym means that you can fight now. Yeah. Bradley Martin. Yeah. That's a, that's a bad one, dude. Yeah. 
Like every time Bradley Martin calls someone, I'm like, dude, they like if you like piss them off enough, like they'll fucking kill you. My favorite is when he had Devin Haney on. He's like, well, if I just grabbed you, I could kill you. Devin Haney's like, you think I'm just gonna let you grab me? You think I'm just gonna stand there and just let you come at me? You're gonna eat five fucking shots before you touch him. And you're gonna be asleep. Yeah, like that always kills me. And another thing that I actually saw today on social media that I liked was you do have some parents that are going the right way about it. Like uh, Grace, I don't know if you saw Julian's story where like. There's a kid like six, seven years old, hasn't even started wrestling yet, but his you know what his parents started him off in? Gymnastics. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of that. I'm a huge that's what Julian did too. Yeah. I'm a huge fan of that. Yeah. Like gymnastics, like gymnastics used to get a lot of hate like a long time ago. Cause like you couldn't go to high school and be like, Yeah, I did I did gymnastics. Like that wasn't gonna get that wasn't gonna get you anywhere. Yeah, you ain't getting no girls telling people you're on the gymnastics team, brother. Yeah, yeah. What are you a cheerleader? Like that? That's usually what you were getting response with, and you were like, "Well, I'm I'm full of it." There goes my high school reputation. Like you had to pick up like a quote unquote real sport, but like gymnasts are like some of the best athletes in the world. Like they can do anything, and they also understand their body more than anybody else. They know what their joints are capable of. They know what each muscle is capable of. Like their their mind body control is phenomenal. Look at Julian. He can, he's one hundred and seventy five pounds with fucking eight percent body fat. Can do a full split, you know. Like and he started with gymnastics. Yeah, the biggest thing for me was swimming because like when I when my coach was like, "You're gonna go do swimming," I was like, "Dude, this is the dumbest shit ever." And then I got in that pool. <laughs> And then I got in that pool for the first time and I nearly drowned. And I was like, oh my God, like I understand why swimmers are all yoked and yeah. just jacked. Like they don't need to lift a weight because they're just treading water. Like they're just literally throwing water hard as shit. And I'm like, their bodies are insane. And they have to be extremely flexible. Speaking on this topic, I want to, I actually, uh, I'm very passionate about this. I want to talk about this. I feel like another issue we're having today is it, it's a positive and a negative. The, the, we're having kids do too much too young. So the positive of it is they're getting more reps. They're getting, they're getting more experience than they would when, you know, we, they were our age, like when we were their age, but they're losing the love of the sport. And I see it a lot as a coach and I'm assuming it's, it's the same in baseball, but like kids are having their seven year old kid get 80 matches in wrestling in a year. It's like, bruh, like by the time that kid's 15, he's going to fucking hate the sport. And, and that's what I, we, you know, me and Dana are really trying to do a big part of is like, keep the love alive in the sport. And as I started, like, you know, I, I, I'm an athlete myself, but you know, I also do a lot in the thinking about how to be a coach. I try to keep the love going and, and two people that, that do this very well and they're very successful is Hicks and Gracie, who's one of the greatest MMA fighters of all time. And Ben Askren, Ben Askren runs a club called the AWA, the Askren Wrestling Academy. They're a uh, wrestling club in Wisconsin. And they are probably the best wrestling club in the entire country for kids. They are not allowed to compete until they're in sixth grade. So when they start wrestling in second and first grade, and then they get there in fourth, third, fourth, fifth grade, they are not allowed to go to tournaments. They are only allowed to practice and play in the room. Then they start competing at, at when they're in sixth grade. And then some people are like, well, my kid has 500 matches already. Ball. The difference is, is when your kid gets to high school, he hates you and he hates the sport of wrestling. These kids just found the love for it. So they care more and they're going to put more into it. And you look at it this past weekend at, at Fargo nationals, he had six champions and 24 placers. Like obviously his method works. And then Hicks and Gracie does the same thing. They don't let their kids compete until they're 16. He's like, until you're 16, just fucking have fun. Like a kid shouldn't be going to practice being like, 
fuck, I have practice in the damn, I have a tournament. No, the kids should be excited. Like I get to go see my friends. I get to go play the, the, the game. You know, it's a game. And, and we're seeing it so much now where it's like, I see young kids already. And I'm like, dude, this kid's talented in five years. He's not going to want to wrestle anymore. His dad is just drilling him and drilling him and drilling him. And I feel like, dude, that's the thing. It's the, that's love. the thing is these parents are like, Oh, I'm spending all this money on you. You better be good. And it's like, Dude, what if that's not what they're good at now? You know, my mom made me play multiple different sports growing up throughout the year, not just baseball year round. And it's like, I see these eight, nine year old kids and, you know, I'll run these tournaments. I'll talk to them a little bit. I'm like, do you guys do anything else? They're like, no, we play baseball every single weekend and they still love it now. But I'm like, dude, if you don't get to go run around with your friends from home outside and like you know, just go be a kid. Are you still going to love this even in three, four years? Or are you going to be looking to play video games or do something else like that, man? And the other so, thing is like the parents think that like, it's a really, really, really hard subject because the 99% of the parents are doing it out of love. They're like, we know what it takes for you to be successful. So we're trying to do it out of love. But at the same time, like you got to let the kid naturally love it. You cannot force love. You cannot force the kid to like the sport. That That is something I'm a huge believer in. They need to understand that they love the sport themselves. And you're, you're getting into this issue too, where it's like kids are resenting their parents because it's like, when I think of wrestling now, all I think about is my dad's on my ass. You, you don't want to wrestle. You're just like, am I going to fuck up? Am I gonna, instead of just going out there and being like, I'm going to have fun. I'm going to go to practice. I'm going to hang out with my buddies. I'm going to do this. And speaking on the one sport thing, Nick, I feel like our generation was the first generation where it was like kids only played one sport. Well, there's a bunch of yep. scientific studies that support this. And Greg Shiano is the one that brought this to my site that kids that only play one sport are more prone to injury because they're not using their other muscles. So like an example, you're a pitcher, right? If you only play baseball and you're only pitching year round, you're going to get way more prone to injury because you're using your muscles to pitch more than a kid that's playing basketball, football, and baseball because they're having to switch their style of body for what what's needed for that sport. And you're starting to, and you see it all the time. And like, yeah, I guess you're getting more reps, you're getting more experience, but like I think the love of the sport and, and keeping the love outweighs that. I really do. I think if you, like I said, you can't teach a dog and you can't make a kid love a sport. But if the kid loves the sport himself, it's really fucking easy to make a champion. It's really easy to make a champion. It is. I I have a couple things that came to mind while you were speaking, and I'm just kind of gonna try to go in order. First, what you brought up, Grayson, about how like the kids found a love for like later on rather than just like it being instilled with them my like thought process was like kids love everything like they are so curious about everything and they're gonna love everything you introduce to them so obviously if you introduce them to like wrestling or any sport whatever you just show to them like they're gonna like build an attachment to regardless you don't start hating things till you're a teenager so like once you get to that teenager position in life where you're going like the rebella stages if they've been doing that their whole life their first thing is gonna be like oh i fucking hate it now like I've never hated anything. So I'm going to hate this thing now because this is all I've known. So that's one thing that really like kind of stood out because I've never really thought of it that way. Like you just have to like expose kids to everything. And then whatever they continue to grow with, they'll build love for Like they'll end up figuring out what they love later on to what Nick said. And there are two parts to this. The first thing was like, when you talk about kids going out and like enjoying things and having fun, like even, even if you do only do baseball all the time, and you do end up making it to the MLB. What's after the MLB for you then? What's next? You're gonna have you're gonna nothing get to, to 
Yeah. You're going to get to a point in your life where you're going to have to find something else. And if you don't have the, if you never took the time growing up to like experience other things, you're not, you're, like, you're going to lose your purpose. There's so many athletes that you get that get depressed after they retire just because they're like, I don't know what to do with my life. Like this is so all that's why there's MMA fighters like Anderson Silva still fighting at 53. They yeah, don't fucking know up. anything else. They don't know anything else. Yeah. They, it's, it's, like, it's, it's making the UFC like, listen, I'm going to fucking die my, my life to try to make that. But if I don't, is making the UFC worth having five people at your funeral or having two people at your wedding? Like, yeah. is, is that worth it? Yeah. Not, a, it's not, not a, what defines you. Exactly. Yeah. And, Lastly, what both of you touched on was about like the parenting like issue we have with like youth and like always trying to like make sure they do this, this and that. One of the biggest things I learned and I, I, I always try to remember where I like figured this out or like I remember hearing it talked about. I'm pretty sure it was a TED talk, but someone said your children are a product of your parents failures. So you never want your own kids to experience the same failures you did because you're so scared that they're going to go through the same traumas that you did, or that they're going to go down the same path that you did where you consider yourself like failed in life. But at the same time, like those failures made you who you were. Like, it's okay to think like, look, you want better success for your kids than you have. That's a completely normal thought process, but hiding them or preventing them from experiencing certain failures in life isn't going to make that for the better. It's not going to like suddenly be like, Oh, just because you avoided your faults means that they're not going to have, faults of their own anymore no they're just gonna have new faults in that process that you're introducing them like failure is inevitable you just have to learn how to deal with it so another oh i'm sorry i finished that yeah no i was just gonna say like when I, I had to sit down with my parents um a while ago and i was talking to them about like because i i remember when i was a like when i was a like a teenager like going through high school i was like damn mom i really wish you would have made me like learn how to like kick or be like a kicker or a punter because that's what my mom was really good at like i really wish she would have like made me do stuff like that and she would always just shake her head and be like no you don't no you don't and then it wasn't until i got older that i realized like why why didn't you like just force me to do that like you were so good at it you know i would have been good she was like i know you would have been good but i can't make you love it like i did she was i can't just make you wake up and go through my life and say like you're gonna love the same things that i love because she was like even if i made you do it even if i made you the best kicker in the world if you didn't want to be a kicker, what, what was the purpose? She goes, my role as a parent isn't to make you like the perfect product. My role as a parent is to just make sure you always have something to fall back on. Like someone that's going to be there for you. Like you're like, you were a kid, like be a kid. Like parents are supposed to be there for you as you fail through life, just to make sure that you have a second chance. Obviously, Shout it's a Obama Watts. Shout yeah. out Obama fucking Watts, baby. Yeah, Mama Watts is back home. I'm gonna be home in two weeks. I'm gonna make sure I stop by to see her and my father. But regardless, shout out Mama Watts. You know what's another thing? Now you guys may disagree with me on this, but I've yet to see success with happiness, love, and with the sport with a kid whose head coach is their dad. I've yet to see it. Yet to see it. Never seen it. I've seen kids whose head coaches are their dad, and they are fucking disgusting at wrestling, but they hate their dad and they hate wrestling. I've yeah. never seen all three of those things in one kid. I, I don't think you can coach your own kid. It's too hard to be a dad and a coach at the same time. And, and there's some guys that try and they really fucking try and they're, they're strict and, and tough on their kids because of the love. But at the end of the day, it's too hard. And I, I'm going to give a huge shout out to my dad, my eighth grade year, uh, our Berkeley football coach stepped down 
and my they offered the position to my dad and my dad sat down with me he goes look i'm going to take the position but i will not coach you he goes i will not critique you i will not coach you he goes i'm he goes uh, your your position coach will be your coach your assistant coach he goes i will not say a word to you i'm not going to treat you like my player and at the time i was like what the fuck like why not and as i got older i appreciated that because it didn't make me resent my dad now there was definitely times my dad was like you're being a dumbass like stop but my dad would never go over like i wouldn't fuck up on a play and my dad would go over there and wrote me out he would get the uh, he get another coach to do it and the older i get i see it more and more you see all these kids who their dads or their coach and they fucking hate it they hate it you know and i always say and I, I always joke around about it but i'm being dead serious like when i have a kid i'm not coaching him daner can coach him you know, Coach Joyce can coach him. You know, someone else – I'm not coaching my kid. It's just too fucking hard to find the line between dad and coach. And like I said, you guys might know of it, but to, to for happiness, love, and success, I've yet to see that in all three. I've yet to see all three of those in a kid with their dad as their head coach. It's not possible. Never once. No, not possible. I'm yeah. sure there are success stories out there where, you know, dad was the coach his whole life and all that. But, dude – it's hard because these big league guys don't even coach their own kids, bro. And if they do, it's because they beg them to, and they're just there as a figurehead for the team, for the name. You know what I mean? Like those holiday kids, uh, the kid that went number one overall in the draft last oh, year, like uh, Jackson holiday. Yeah. Jackson holiday. His dad's his dad coached him probably as most of his uh, high school life. Cause he was out of ball, but not like, head coach on top of him kind of thing, just in the corner there getting to see his boys play every day, dude. That's what, that's what people need to do more or just be a fan, be a fan. Let someone who's has the credentials do it. Yeah. I I think another thing is like, it's okay to be like your dad to be like your trainer or someone that works with you on your craft a lot, but to be in that position, like Grayson said, you, there is no definitive line in the dirt where you can say, like, I'm a coach now or I'm a dad now. Because what you both go home with at the end of the night doesn't just disappear. Like, you can't just erase that. Like, that gets carried with you, especially for a kid that doesn't understand it. Like, even if you, like, even if you tried to explain it in perfect terms as an adult, there's no way a child's brain could be like, I fully understand this. Like I like I'm going to know that you are not my dad out there. Like, no, you're, it's, it's, it's way your dad. Yeah, it's way different at our age. But I'm talking about like growing up. Yeah, it's, like it doesn't work. It doesn't fucking work. Yeah, like what? Like I get once you get to a certain point. Like once you're an adult, like maybe like maybe this could work if you're like you completely stayed out of your son as a coach for his entire life, and then once he became like a professional athlete, then he came to your coach position. Like let's say. LeBron James becomes a manager of a team and like his sons end up playing for his team. Like that may work. Cause he's like trained them, but he doesn't, he doesn't play for like LeBron James AAU team. Like he doesn't let that happen. Like you don't see, like you don't see that happening. Cause he like, he knows he's like, that shit doesn't work. He goes, I, I can't directly influence what they do because it'll either a, they'll resent me. B they won't be as good at it. And that's also going to form a like just a resentment because I feel like there's no winning in that situation because either a you're as good, but what it, what it takes for you to get as good as your expectations is going to suck. So they're going to hate you for it. Or B you're not going to be as good as their expectations and they're going to hate you because you didn't make them as good as you were. So yeah. there's no winning. And the other issues that you talked about Zach is like the shit that when you go home and practice, and like you just fucking forget about it. And it's also like, 
your dad might be being an asshole to you at practice because you back talked to your mom the day before, or you failed a homework assignment, something stupid like that, that a normal coach wouldn't get on your ass for. So now instead of critiquing you to be better, because your dad wants you to get better at your sport, your dad's using the sport to punish you, you know? Yeah. And that's, that's a, mm -hmm. that's a, that's an issue as well. And I like what Nick said a lot about the fucking fan thing. Um, you need to read green lights by Matthew McConaughey. He talks about that a bunch about when he got really famous, um, him and his mom stopped talking for like five years because his mom stopped being his mom and started being like his like agent. And like he would turn on the TV and there'd be people fucking in his house and his mom's giving him a tour of the bedroom. He's like, I don't want people to see this shit. Like, I don't want this to happen. And he couldn't bring his mom around everything because she kept just being like, my son's Matthew McConaughey. My son's Matthew McConaughey, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, versus my dad was my biggest fan just on the front row and joined the show. Like he never tried to step in. He never tried to make it his show. Like he just let me ride and he fucking loved it, you know? And that's where it was like, I like that you said that the fan thing a lot. It's like, you know, and I could give credit to my dad for that too. My dad never, now my dad was definitely on my ass. Like, yo, you need to start training better. Like you're being, a, you're being a pussy right now and stuff like that. But my dad never tried to critique me. He never tried to go in there and he got guys that were credentialed. Like you said, that he trusted to do that for him. And that's why I give a lot of credit to him. And I, I, I know mama watched the same thing. So shout out to Lori as well. Yeah. It's, it's a lot like driving a car. Like I can give you, I can give you the route to get where you want to go. But if I'm there with you in the car saying, Oh, you need to slow down right here. There's a pothole in the road or, Oh, like you need to be careful in this intersection because there's a lot of accidents. Like that's not going to help you learn anything. That's not going to help you learn how to drive a car. You're just going to be waiting on my every direction and you're not going to learn for yourself. I feel like the biggest thing is you have to learn for yourself. There has to be a personal growth there. And as a parent, a lot of the times you end up getting in the way, whether you want to or not, because like, you don't want, like you'll see them doing something that you would have done that, you know, they're going to fuck up on, but you have to let them fuck up. Like you have to let them fail for themselves. Cause if you don't, they're just going to be wondering why they're like, they're never going to understand. Even if you tell them they're going to be like, Oh, you can't do that. Like, that's not good. Like, you can't tell a kid at Halloween, don't eat all that chocolate. You have to let him eat all that chocolate one time. And then, when he, and then when he shits his brains yeah. out, you're like, are you ever going to eat chocolate again? And then he's yeah. going to be like, oh, no. Yeah. Like, Never, ever. You can't and avoid I failure. And that's like in the Jordan B. Peterson book, he said it best. He's like, when parents come to him, because he's a therapist, he's like, when parents come to him and they're like, or he's a psychiatrist, therapist, whatever the fuck. When parents come to him with issues with their kids, he goes, do you want a safe kid or do you want a strong kid? Like, do you want a kid that's never going to get hurt? They're never going to get in trouble. They're never going to do drugs. They're never going to party. They're going to be safe because you're helicoptering around them and therefore they become dependent on you. Or do you want a kid that, you know what, you have to ground him because he got caught smoking weed. Or you have a kid that he broke his elbow because he jumped off the roof. He did something stupid. Like, yeah, that kid's not technically safe, but that kid's going to become strong and independent because he's going to learn from his failures. Versus if you never let failure happen, the kid will never grow and he'll never leave the fucking tent. He's going to stay on your side forever. Play can't be having that either dude can't be having the soft generation that seems to be coming upon us you know don't want to put it on them but i'm just it's just what we see every day dude they and they have all these outlets to put out how soft they are now too it's like you go put out a tiktok and like oh someone was mean to me or like this happened to me it's more likely to go viral than something of actual intellectual worth yeah. you know what i mean just because oh i feel so bad for you that's not right this that everybody feels like 
everybody feels like they have a voice that matters. And, you know, it's not to say that you don't, but not everybody needs to know. Like, live your own life. Do right. things that you want to do and learn from them to, fail. It goes back to what you were saying, Nick, where you were like, oh, shit, I'm losing thought. Where you, where you were like, um, you know, let me, let, me, let me go with my thought. Maybe it'll come back. We, well, I remember when we were growing up, if someone said something, you know, bad. Oh, it, it has to go back to the thought where you were like, if you're not good enough, you just transfer and go to another school or you go play for another team. I remember when we were growing up, if someone said something mean to me and I, I was crying and being a little bitch about it, I told my mom, she'd be like, do something about it, you know, do yes. something about it or grow up. And and it, it it made me learn how to handle adversity. Shit got hard. I didn't win the wrestling starting spot. I go bitch to my dad, beat him next time, you know, and I'd have to work hard to do that. Versus now, it's like if someone says something mean about you, get them fired. If someone says something mean about you, get yeah. them canceled from, from Instagram. If if someone's better than you in the sport, let's go transfer. You know, it's like where what happened to this when when adversity hits you in the fucking mouth, you get up and you fucking you you get after it. That doesn't exist anymore. Now it's like adversity hits you, you run, you run away. You know, and that's what that's what pisses me off. And you know, and and I'm gonna get you know a little political here, but it's like we we talk about like all these women that are bitching about like not having rights in our country and like, and, and all these things, you know, with women's rights, we're not powerful. Men don't respect us. And then you go to a fucking Asian third world country where women can't leave their fucking house without getting murdered. You know, it's like put perspective on these things. You know, women are like, we almost had a woman president. How much more like respect and equality can you have? You almost led our country. And it's just like, we, we, we often forget how blessed we are because of like, you know, all these LGBTQ and all these people that are bitching about all this stuff all the time. It's like you have the voice and the opinion to do that because of how free you are in our country. You would get murdered in other countries. You know, and it's just we're forgetting how to be tough again. And it's going to bite us in the ass, which is really fucking scary to think about. Yeah. One of the things um, that always pisses me off and I, I, it took me a while to understand why it was happening, but like. For example, on social media, when people run, when people would run to like Snapchat per se and post like a black screen and be like logging off or like go talk to me, like not like don't want it for a while, like that. All right, who cares? Yeah, that that was my first thought. I was like, number one, who cares? Like, why are you doing? Like, I know you're seeking attention. Like, you just want like a plea for help. But number two, or yeah, two or three, why can't you just like be alone with your own thoughts for like? five to 10 minutes or an hour or a day to just kind of solve your own problems, like figure it out yourself. Like not like, I promise you, you can go get advice for from anybody in the world. Doesn't mean it's good advice. Doesn't mean it's going to apply to you. Sure. They may say something that might help spark something in your mind that will help you deal with something, but just try to handle things yourself and learn for yourself. And Hey, sometimes you'll be wrong, but that comes with trial and error. That comes with failure. Like you have to learn how to just mess up once in a while. Cause I promise you, if you just go about your life, just doing what other people tell you to do, you won't even recognize who you are anymore. Like you won't come to appreciate who you are as a person. Like you will have no trials and tribulations. You will have no personal experience or self thought. It'll just be whatever anyone tells you. That's what you're going to take as it is like take it as face value. And you're just going to run with it. I and- love, I love the point you made Zach, where you were like, just take five minutes to put your phone aside and fucking think. And I had a really, really, really deep conversation with my teammate along Cruz about this two weeks ago. And he was like, one thing our generation lacks is boredom. We don't have boredom. Because I was talking to him about how I started reading Meditations by Marcus Aurelius. Great fucking book, by the way. 
one of my favorite philosophers. And I was like, it's just weird to me how like all these guys from the fucking BC eras and stuff, like, first of all, there's so many of them that were philosophers. And how did they have so many like intellectual thoughts and concepts that are relatable today? And he goes, they had boredom. And he goes, today's world, if a kid, if you have a kid and you go to, you go to have dinner, you know, you have family dinner, you're giving them an iPad, you're giving them a phone, your kid's friend isn't playing with them. You're giving them this. There is no boredom. And in the process of boredom, you learn to think, you know, the most important thoughts you have and the most constructual concepts you come together with are when you're bored. You know, that's why they say boredom is the worst suffering because like you're stuck in your own head. We get rid of that. We have TikTok videos that are 10 seconds long. That's why our it, movies are dying because no one can sit there for two hours without going on their fucking phone. You know, we're getting rid of boredom and everyone has ADHD. Exactly. Boredom is a very important part of growing mentally. Like you need to be bored. You need to sit there and be like, fuck, this sucks. And then I'm going to think, and then I'm going to let my brain go. Dude, some, when I used to be a host, I used to be at, when I was uh, 19 to 20 years old, 19, 20, two years, I was a host at Ford's garage in Wesley chapel. The most boring fucking job you could think of. You just stand at the front of the restaurant and you wait. Shout out forwards. Yeah, you just stand at the front of the <laughs> restaurant and wave people. But I had the best thoughts ever because I'd be so bored and I would keep a notepad with me and I would just I would solve so many issues in my life and that eight hour shift or six hour shift because I would just be so bored. I had nothing to do but think about it. And then I'd come up with solutions. Then I'd come home and I have a whole fucking notepad of shit and then I would start changing things. I, I feel like I'm lacking that boredom now. And I do think that's part of our generation is is the TikTok, is the give your kid an iPad, is the TV. You know, there is no more boredom. We need boredom to uh, grow in our brain. Yeah. Uh, it. There was someone that went on to a podcast and I, I know it was a Jogan podcast. I can't remember the guy's name, but he was like, there was a philosopher. I think it's the one you're talking about. He goes, he goes like almost all of humanity's problems are because we can't stand to be alone with ourselves for longer than 30 minutes. We literally cannot fathom a world where it's just us and our thoughts because we'll go insane. Like there's a reason why solitary confinement is like the worst thing you can do to anybody. Cause if you just deprive them of just interaction or like experiencing the world, they'll, they'll just go insane. Like they'll just literally lose their mind. So the fact that like we, what pissed me off more is like we took that as a society and we're like, oh, well, the only way to fix that is by giving you anything you could ever want at the, just, at just like your quickest disposal. Right here. Right yeah. here. Yeah. Just, here you go. And I, it just makes no sense to me how like we like made that jump and we were like, yeah, there'll be no repercussions to that. Like, they're, like it'll be fine. Like we don't need to do anything about that. Like, and at the same time, like you go about it like, I have a niece and nephew right now and they're growing up and they're growing up. And when I go over to my sister's house, like we'll like take away from this. And we're like, yeah, we need to like learn how to be bored once in a while. But then I go see my niece and nephew and I'm like, dude, if you take an iPad away from them, they're going to go batshit insane. But they're going to lose Seriously. it. They're going to lose it. I'm like, holy shit, dude. Like if we had like a, if we had like a global, like catastrophic failure, like these kids would just kill themselves. Like they would, they would just be like, nah, they're like not doing it. And they can't interact face to face anymore either, too, bro. It's like, how are the how are these young males now going to get women when they're in their teens, in their twenties, bro? Because you know there comes to a point where you can't just text that girl anymore. 
you got to go there and like interact with her and be interesting or she's going to be like, dude, I'm, I don't want anything to do with you. You're a fucking creep. Yeah. You know, even no, and just basic social interaction, dude. Like when I was a kid, my mom made me call the adults on the phone. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You got to You want to go hit at that place today? You got to call him and set it up yourself. And I'm like, oh, fuck. You know, and it teaches you how to sound nice, proper, professional as a 12 year old. So when you go in somewhere, they're like, oh, I remember that kid. He called me on the phone. You know, he was nice. He comes in here. He keeps the place clean. I like him. That's what my dad, when I got to high school, my dad did the same. Well, one, first thing I want to say is we had um, a professional football player on Mozzie Wilkins, and he said the same thing. He was like, you know, it's 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 hard now because guys are scared to talk to girls because they're scared of the failure. They're scared to go talk to a girl. And he's like, he remembers when he was a kid and there'd be like a pretty girl. His dad would be like, go hold the door for her. You know, go go tell yes, her. Like, shit like that. That doesn't exist anymore. That, that, that stuff doesn't happen. Kids are so scared to get rejected. They don't even fucking try. And and when I got to high school, my dad sat me down. He goes, look, you're, I'm going to treat you like an adult now. If you have any issues with your coaches or your team, you have to go talk to your coach. My dad was like, I will not fucking talk to your coaches anymore. You're 14 years old. If you have an issue, you need to go talk to him. And there's many times where I was like, dad, I'm having a problem. He goes, text your coach right now, schedule something. And I did. And then I had to go meet with them. There was no more daddy's coming to help you. He's like, you're going to learn how to fucking handle this like a man. And I'm very appreciative of that because you still have kids our age who their dads are talking to their bosses or their dads are calling. Yes. You know who my dad is. Do you know who my dad is? And let me say one thing, fellas, holding the door for a woman at our age. I cannot tell you how many dates I've been on. Open up the door, sit down at the table. Man, I lost him. Man went, on, man went on his most oh, intense rant. No man has ever. You got to redo that whole thing, Nick. He just. Oh, Jesus. I'm saying <laughs> you hold open the. I've held open the door for a girl since the first date I've been on, dude. And you would be surprised women our age will tell you when you sit down no man has ever made a point to open the door for me before how how like how sweet of a guy are you you know what i mean and like that might not be true for some people but dude it's just like it gets you farther in life by doing the small things whether it's opening the door for a woman calling someone professional on the phone and being like you know, hey, I'm I'm Nick Daniels. Nice to meet you. And add in a sir in there or something like that. Because not everybody is your fucking friend, dude. You can't just talk to everybody like they're your friend. But the, yeah. proper Respect. Etiquette, the proper etiquette's gone. Like, I remember when I was a kid, it was like, you hold the door for women. If you think you're on a date, you don't text her, I'm here. You walk up to the fucking front door. You knock. The dad answers. You shake his hand. You say, yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. Yes, sir. No, sir. Like, all that shit's dying to an extent where... I I dated I I dated this girl in college my senior year and I want to take her out on our date for like our first date when we were dating and I opened my car door for her and she looked yes, at me yes dude no, listen to this listen to this I opened the car door for her and she said what the fuck are you doing and I was like I was like I'm I'm taking you on a date I'm gonna I'm gonna open the door for you and she's like I've never like that's weird and I was like you've dated some fucking not good guys then if if that threw you off. Dude, like, the amount of not flag good right guys. there. 
And we wonder why the, we get these broken women, dude, yeah. as they're growing up. And like, that's not saying anything bad to women out there. Like, you've just had some shitty character decisions on who you who your partner was. And yeah. It's like, it's the simple things, bro. Being a man, it's like, yeah. where did that go? Some of these kids needed to go to Cotillion or whatever it's called. 100%. Well, the thing is, too, is like, is like, like you're talking about this next generation. Well, then they're pussies. Then they raise their kids. So then that girl, when when she dates a guy and he's a pussy, she doesn't understand that that's not right because her dad didn't do it right or her other boyfriend didn't do it right. So they don't understand what's right and what's wrong. There's nothing to compare it to. There's not like a there's not like a, a standard. You know what I mean? Like their standard is shit already. Yeah. I, you know, one of the biggest things, and I hate to blame social media for this, but I am going to blame it on this because it does play a role in it. It has done such a shitty job with people like Sneeko and like Andrew Tate plays a part in this as well of just like ruining. I'm a big Andrew Tate fan though. I'm a big yeah. Andrew Tate fan. Yeah, some aspects of like the, the dynamics, fan. the dynamics between like women and men now are so torn apart on social media. Like it literally teaches you like, like for, for guys, you go on your social media feed, it's like, oh, like here's a cheating scandal or like women are sluts or like da 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 da. Like they have no respect for themselves. Like. All they want is your money. And then you go on like a girl's social media feed and it's like, guys are dicks. Like they just want to use you for your body. Like they don't care about you. Like they're just going to toss you aside the moment they get what they want. And it's just like, it's like, what the fuck? It's like, I, it's like, I don't want those things. And obviously not everyone wants those things. Like, sure. You have your select few where this does apply to. And you also have people interpreting this and taking it at face value where they're just like, oh, this has to be true. Like I, every girl I meet, like I... Like it's just a punk. Like I got a banger. I got a banger. Yeah. It's yeah, like, no, you don't, bro. My money, like, dude, like, we've come to know the girl, man. Have a yeah. nice conversation. Dude, yeah, it's a, it's the perspective, like, like on the Andrew Tate thing. Like, I remember my sister one time was bashing him, and I was like, "What?" I was like, "He's like, listen, I'm not like an Andrew Tate dick rider, but there are things he talks about where I'm like, all right, I really fuck with this mindset. Like, I really think like, you know, he's doing things properly. But then I'll go on my sister's phone." And the shit she's being shown of Andrew Tate is the complete opposite of what I'm being shown. So it's like, it's not my, my sister's not wrong for thinking that it's the, the perspective that she's getting of him. is completely different of the perspective that I'm getting on my phone, just because she's a girl and the shit she's clicking on the shit she's fucking sharing and liking is a lot different than my shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. And dude, it just really pisses me off. I think another big problem with today's society that we really didn't have back then and it doesn't really get talked about is porn i think porn is terrible so i think it, it ever since that's a horrible expectation bro yeah not only expectation but it's such it gives you like a sat like such an immediate satisfaction that like yeah. it makes you not work for like relationships it just rips the dopamine out you're just pulling dopamine out of your fucking brain yeah like, oh, yeah, you're not like, oh, you don't feel like hitting up this girl. You don't have the drive to go talk to this girl. You want to know why? Because you can literally go lay in your bed and touch yourself and be satisfied with it. And you can find a girl that looks exactly like her to a T on porn. To a t it Stop beating it 2023, man. Yeah. Stop it, fellas. Yeah. yeah, we're bringing back We're bringing back NoFap. I promise you, you go. Okay, well, I still, I still beat it. I just don't watch porn. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> See, that's okay. Like you're doing you're doing it to the ceiling titty. Like you're yeah. you're close your eyes, think of something, you know? Yeah, close your eyes, think of something. Nuts, like, bro. But I promise, I promise. Go like for those of you out there that like literally have an undiagnosed porn addiction that you don't know about, literally just don't watch it for a week and you will literally go so insane you're gonna be like, I gotta talk to a girl. 
Yeah. It's not even that, but the the issue, this is, I could talk about porn forever. I think porn is one of the worst things to ever be created. The the psychological aspect of it's so terrible. And there's a movie called Don John with um J- Jason Gordon. Yeah. Josh yes. Gordon yeah. That movie's going to change your fucking life on porn. The, the the reason we have like these creep fucks that like children or they like weird shit in bed is because they watch, let's, let's call tier one porn or soft porn, right? They've watched that to the max where it, it becomes normal to them where they can just watch regularly without even getting hard or aroused. It doesn't, it doesn't it like uh, boost their adrenaline, it doesn't boost their sex drive, it doesn't boost their dopamine. So they go to the next category, which is a little more rough, a little weirder. Then that happens again. And then it keeps going to the point where it's like the only way this person gets aroused or they get the dopamine rush they want from porn is the fucking craziest, weirdest shit because it's just like a normal drug. You smoke a little weed for a week, you need to smoke a little more weed the next week, and then a little more. It's the same exact thing with porn, but we fucking normalize it because the porn industry makes so much goddamn money that they don't fucking talk about it as a drug. But I think porn's a worse drug than a lot of fucking drugs people do. I yeah. really do. It, it ruins families. It ruins relationships. It ruins how people are structured. You know, Theo Vaughn talked about it on Joe Rogan. Like when he was a kid and he would he would be like down in the dumps, he would just jerk off to make him happy. Because you get an instant dopamine rush. Like, that's what it does, you know? And then kids are becoming dependent on that, you know? And you think of women as objects. Like, you think of, you don't learn what love is. There's no fucking love in porn, you know? There's just so many negative fucking psychological aspects of porn. It's just like, it's so terrible for you. And then you can also talk about, like, the, the, the reality of it, too. It's like, these girls are getting fucked by guys they don't like. Like, they think they're weird. Or, like, some of these girls get put into contracts. They weren't. They were so young. They didn't understand. They thought they was getting quick money. Like, the whole industry of porn is so fucked. The whole aspect and psychological aspect of porn is so fucked. But it will never go away because it makes so much money. And at the end of the day, I'm sorry, but sex sells more than anything else. Sex yeah. fucking sells. And that's another thing that has completely taken off in recent years, which is also, like, just ruining, like – like and it's not it's not their fault the only fans yes that literally so many girls do it and like i can't blame them because guess what there are weird fucks that buy it and if you're making a bag off of it how can i hate you like how can i be mad at you for making those choices when you are literally making it goes back it goes right back to our adversity thing it's like instead of this girl working a real job and like becoming a fucking member of our society strong independent woman she's just gonna take pictures of her tits and post it online because she can make more money like that's not what we should be trying to do we should be trying yeah. to do the opposite of that and and the rea- and like another part of that reality is like the fact that that's even a viable option for like is on like not weird, just like, viable dude like full sustainable that most men make money a year bro yeah, yeah. you it's find a little weirdo dudes like we have weird fucks like they just like will literally sit there all day and they'll be like, Yeah, every paycheck I make a week, I'm gonna just give it to her just so I can like objectify her. And like if she's making that much money, I probably wouldn't care either. Like if someone was like, Yo, I'll pay you five hundred dollars to get your used underwear after work, I'd be like, Yep. I'd be like, I can use that five hundred dollars. I can yeah. I can go do whatever I want with that five hundred dollars. Like I, I can't I have I have met and uh hung out with an OnlyFans girl before, bro, and she showed me the total dollar amount that she had made on there and it made my stomach hit the floor, bro. Yeah. Seven digits. Seven digits, dude. I'm like, and then shows me and I'm like, for this, dude, for this right here, you're getting paid what? And sometimes it's not even like porn. Like they like do, they just tease you. 
You know Dude, what I mean? it wasn't even like her naked, bro. Yeah. She's like, I'll send some stuff out in the DMs sometimes, but like that's not how I make my money. It's just the strict page. I'm like, this is I, I was like, I thought you would have made like 10, 20 grand, you know what yeah. I mean? That much. It's like you don't have to walk outside your house. I agree with Zach. Though, I blame I blame, I blame the men more than I blame the women. Like, yes, obviously this shouldn't like, No, dude. No, you it's like, what are they going to do? We're the ones fucking buying it. And we're the ones that are fucking, you know, making it a reality. Like OnlyFans was definitely created by a man. Like that, that's, that's definitely all. 100%. Like, do you think they'd still do it if they were making money off of it? Absolutely not. If they weren't? No yeah, way. If, There's yeah, no way. No shot. No shot. Because at, sell themselves like that. at the end of the day, you don't like, obviously there are people that like, I'm not saying there are people in like the porn industry or that don't like love what they do. But at the same time, like, you, like that is I, like to me at least there's a huge there's a i'm gonna back this up real quick but there's a huge statistic that it's like it's like over 80 percent of people in porn were were like molested or abused as kids yeah like they like their perception of sex or intimacy is so twisted and messed up that like that was just the life they ended up falling into like it wasn't like nobody a, knows what true inti- intimacy is anymore either whether oh, it's sexual or with with a person non-sexually, bro. Yeah. What what blew my mind the most that I never really considered is for how profitable porn could be, how is it still free? If that many people are doing it, how it's is it all still- advertisement? It's all advertisement. Yeah. But like you would think like since like everyone like literally a majority of people watch it, you would think like, oh, monetize it, find a way to like make millions and millions of dollars on it and they're just like nope we'll just make it available to the public like we're just you can get it anywhere you want doesn't matter like no it's just the demand bro the demand the demand demand is insane 20 to 40 percent of women were abused as children that go into porn and this is only females yeah yeah that's just a hard career choice to make as a man yeah seriously I mean, I just couldn't imagine what's what would be going through my head to decide I'm gonna go do that. It's also it's also the like on our society too, where it's like, how do I how do I put this in a proper way? It's it's okay for a girl to be like a school teacher or like to have a job like that and have an OnlyFans or have like a really slutty Instagram account or something. That's totally acceptable. But if it's the other way around, and it's a guy and like you have hand tats or like you have something like that. You're a fucking horrible member of our society. You know, it's like, yep. we're so okay with it. If it's a girl doing it rather than if it's a guy, I'm not saying either one should be doing it. I'm just saying like the perceived perception of our society, like accepting it. Yeah. That- well, in the, it makes women, and I'm not saying they're worthless. You know what I mean? But do you want the girl who showed a thousand people, her tits, or the girl that showed like three people, her tits, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want every, I want my girl to be my girl, bro. I don't want everybody and their mother to be seeing what I've got. Dude. It's like, you get, it's like the bag is so big. We say, like, oh, I can't blame them, but I don't want them. No, they lose value 100%. You know I mean? Yeah. We're, we're depreciating the value of titties. We're, we, <laughs> we've, we've drawn the supply chain so high that now it's so like worth it. Like, we don't even care. We're just like, so 
Like, who, who Dude, it's like that? being a young man out here in society. Whenever you get something like that's a that's an accomplishment for your boy, for anybody. And it's like, but now they just go on this website, drop. I don't. I mean, I don't even know how much money it is. How X amount of dollars, and boom, boom. No, I agree with what you there said. Like, I, when I'm looking for a wife, like, how do I say this? It, it's a weird. Only meeting. fans on the resume is going to be a tough one to look yeah. over. It's a no. It's just it's just going to not happen. Like that's just how it is. It's, just, <laughs> it's really it. It's a weird line because you don't want your wife to like have never kissed a guy or never fucked a guy because you're like, all right, I don't like. I want her to have some experience. I want her to understand what's going on. But at the same time, like, I don't want a girl that was just fucking whoever wanted to fuck her. You know what I mean? Like, it's a weird, yeah, it's a weird thin line. And then there, there's, there's this, always this perception that's like, why are guys looked at as like cool or like the man if he fucked a bunch of girls and girls are looked at as like sluts if they fucked a bunch of dudes? Well, if you're a girl, the power is in your court. Like, you can control who fucks you and who doesn't. You're giving it up. Exactly. They're giving it up. Yeah. And the guys are going to want to fuck everybody. Yeah. Yeah. I, I you think just it, have to give. Yeah. It's a lot easier to give than give up. No, you exactly. Know what I mean? and, that's, and that's why that, that perception – now, I'm not saying I agree with it. But I'm saying that's why that perception exists. It's because, like, you're the one that controls it. If you're just letting every guy hit, no guy wants that. You know, I – and I talk about this all the time. It's like I went, I went on I went on a date before, and I ended up fucking the girl the first day. It's like I don't want to date this girl. You know, like no, my tattoo artist – My tattoo artist said one of the most realest things that I've ever fucking heard. He goes, your wife cannot be a girl that you fucked the first time – that that you fucked for the first time the same day you kissed her for the first time. That can't, that can't be your wife. And ever since he said that, like, yeah, there's times where like, I'm talking to a girl and like, she makes me chase and I'm upset by it. But at the same time, I'm like, I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad you didn't let me just fucking hit, you know? And a lot of guys like us, we have this perception where we're like, nah, she only let me hit. Cause I'm the fucking man. Like I'm that guy. Nah, brother. She let you hit. Cause she's a fucking whore. Even if they have that perception of like, I'm the man, I'm like, you think you're the only man? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you think you're the only alpha dog out here? I'm like, bro, there's like 700 of them. Yeah. You're not there, the first there, one to do that on the first night. Yeah. So yeah. that's why, like, my I always think about that. Like, if I ever, like, kind of catch myself catching feelings for a girl or like, oh, this girl could be a possible prospect and she's very easy, uh, it's out. I want to chase, bro. I want to chase. Like, I want to earn it. I want to know that it's like, I, you, you made me go through this cause you wanted to feel me out at the same time. Yeah. And yeah, you didn't just want me to give it to you cause I'm good looking or whatever. Like, yeah, yeah. a connection, bro. As right. soft as it sounds being a man, bro, it, there's value in connection. Yeah. And we're woman. losing and we're losing that in today's world with the only fans and with the increasement in porn and with social media, like we're losing the bond. It's just like, I feel like nowadays kids look at girls and go, well, she's hot. She has a lot of followers. Um, and she has a job. I, I guess I could, I could marry this woman instead of being like, yeah. I am soul bonded to you. Like, this is my fucking, like, this is the one I feel like we, we lose that value. That value doesn't exist anymore. I mean, what divorce rates are like over 50% now. Yeah, they're crazy now. It's like, it's a, yeah. it's a very normal to be divorced. Yeah. And what's crazy is I saw a video the other day where it's like, they did a test with women where like, they had a bunch of military men work out and they took their t-shirts like that were soaked in their sweat and they oh, I saw the this yeah i saw this and then, they, then they had the women um sniff the shirts and they'd be like rank them from attractiveness and the women ranked them in order like based off the pheromones and it was like it had to do more so with like um your immune system because you're trying to find someone that like you're like genetic on a genetic level you were trying to find someone that suits you where you can build up like strong children like that was like your baseline genetics but another thing they pointed out in the test is, is they were like, 
what they found out the most was like women on birth control either purposely pick the opposite of what the status norm was or their own bodies were blocked off from like picking what they're supposed to be picking. And there's not like a right or a wrong answer in this, like what they're supposed to pick. But a lot of the times what happened is like girls will be dating on birth control. And then guess what? You're ready to have a kid. And then you stop getting on birth control. And then you realize, holy crap, I don't want to be with this person anymore. And then you, exactly. And then you're kind of screwed. Like there's so much stuff that just isn't playing into the hands of like what, like, our normal or like what our perceived normal is for relationships, like what we grew up on. And like, dude, it just, I, I don't know if there's like a way you can like turn it around or like find a way where you can just like revert or take a step back. Cause there is no going back at this point. But one of the things I feel like we really do wrong, especially in today's world is we're so quick to point fingers. Like it's never our fault. Like it's, especially on social media. No so accountability. Validation. Yeah. It's so quick to find validation for something that you did, whether you're wrong or not, because there's people that have made your same mistakes and that are going to agree with you. They're going to take your side. But it's so quick to just be like, oh, they're doing this and this. It must be their fault. Like, it, there's no way I played any part in that decision. Like, I, I can't be wrong. And like, th that goes back to just being alone for five, 10 minutes. Hey, figure it out for yourself. You may find out that what you're doing isn't the right course of action. Like, what you're doing isn't the right thing to do. No, I completely agree with that, bro. We, we just got to take a step back, man. Take a step back every once in a while instead of go, 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 go. Yeah, I, I'm fully on board. By the way, I just want to go over some of the notes that I've written down for this because this has taken the biggest 180 of my entire life. What a fucking um, pod this was, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> what a fucking we, pod. We started off with napping. We went to caffeine. We went to... um like sports as an art we went to coaching then we talked about steroids we talked about dads as coach then we went to you need boredom and then immediately porn is cancer so just <laughs> immediately from like you need to be bored to can't like porn is cancer like get rid, get rid of quick dopamine fixes oh but yeah wow Great, great list of topics. What a fucking pod. I think before we wrap it up, though, we got to do our usual draft. Mm. Um, Zach, what are we thinking? Do you have anything in mind? I have I have two in mind that I can think of off top. Um, Give me yours first. Maybe it'll spiral some draft. I got, um, I got favorite non-alcoholic beverages, mm. and I have uh, favorite fast food restaurants. Oh. Okay. Okay. So we're on the topic of like food and stuff. Thinking more of like food. Um I, I I'm I'm down for non-alcoholic beverages because I, I need a redemption. I, I need a redemption from when we hard our draft. Um shout out Cho. I'm liking that one. By the yeah. way, my phone, this whole podcast has been blown up with people sending me unmanly things. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Julian texted me. He goes, most uh, most unmanly thing on my list, being named Grayson. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> Daner, Daner sent me a big one. He said, unmanly shit, y'all left out. Not liking steak, being cold, cross country, peeing sitting down, kale, the limp handshake, saying tight, <laughs> saying let me just squeeze by you real quick instead of excuse me. Um, Let me say this. 
I keep on sitting down sometimes. I, 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 I got to admit, I keep on sitting down. It's too easy. So much easier. So much easier. I, I don't have to wake up in the morning and like have to like prep to yeah, I can go on my phone real quick. I don't got to. Sometimes I can go no hands. Like it's just way better. I see. I, I'm the king of hands on the knees and then put my head in between my hands because I'm like, fuck, I got to deal with today. Yeah. I'm going to. I turn the Socrates on the toilet. I need to. I need to. I need to get in the prime position. And hey, you never know when a poop's going to come up on you. You, yeah. you never. No, that's the problem. <laughs> that that happens. You'll get a fart, and you're like, if I was sitting down, it would just came out. Yeah, and I need that. I, I need that. What's the word I'm looking for? I need that flexibility. flexibility. I need that. I need that elasticity. The elasticity, yes, baby. The elasticity, baby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I need the elasticity of my colon in case you, the time comes. All right, let's dive on into this for Nick. What you don't know, you get five picks. Um, if we can't think of five, we'll go down to four. If we can't think of four, we'll go down to three. You cannot pick someone else's pick. If it's a similar pick, us as a group will have to decide if it can stand or not stand. We'll let we'll go in order of Nick, Zach, and then myself because I already have five hundred things on my mind. Non-alcoholic beverages. Nick, start us off. The Minute Maid Pink Lemonade. Mm, good, good, good. Interesting first pick. Not a number one overall pick, but a safe pick. Yes. Yes. Yeah, no, uh, am I up? Yes, you were up, Zach. Uh, Coca Cola. Coca Cola. I'm gonna go with. I'm gonna just say fuck you guys. Give me Arnold Palmer. I knew you were gonna say that. I fucking knew you were gonna say that. Nick, it's back. Right. I'll go Dr Pepper, dude. Okay. Mm. Okay. Okay. See, this is where we start getting a little bit. Yeah, this is where it gets a little. <clears throat> Yeah, because your your first pick off the board is very obvious, but your second pick is what makes or breaks your draft. Um, damn, there are a lot. You know, I think I'm going to stick to just the most on-brand, name-brand drinks. I'm going to have to go Sprite. Sprite's just right there. Give me um, give me uh, the mango. Am I going to go mango? No. Give me... Yeah, I'm going to go mango Arizona tea. Oh, Okay. So Give me high C fruit punch for my third. Oh, pick. okay, okay. I'm gonna with my next pick. I'm gonna take it back to my childhood. I love a good chocolate milk. Mm, that's a very solid pick. Yeah, chalk chalky milk for the boys. Give me uh, give me Sunny D. Ooh, give me Sunny D. Sleeper third round pick. Give first round first round potential. We pay him third round money. Yeah, I can't believe someone hasn't said this yet. But I'm going fourth Gatorade. But which one? But which one? There's a lot of Gatorade. A classic red. My favorite personally is blue, but for draft purposes, classic red. Okay. Uh, with my fourth pick, um, I don't know if this counts per se, just because it's so well known. But, you know, I'm just going to go water. Mm. Nothing's better than just That's a great pick. We need a specific. We need a specific. Oh, shit. There's one answer to this being where we're from. There's one kind of water where we're from that we drink. See, I feel like you're a weirdo and you're going to say Zephyr Hills. Oh, <laughs> my goodness. No, but I'm not I'm not going that route. I'm not going Zephyr Hills. I, when I'm thinking of like... Thirst quenching ice cold water. Damn. 
this may be fucked. See, may, making me specify it may, may fuck Bro, me. There's 500 million kinds of fucking water. Yeah, but if I pick, if I were to pick like Dasani, I'm getting shit on. So we can't, we can't go to Dasani. Brother, this is your draft class. I know, I know, I know. I know. Fuck. Oh my God. That, that's why I just blank on every water brand known to man. Um, you know what? Yeah, look it up real quick. We're just gonna pick hey, the same. Just in case, just in case, just in case. I don't want you to fuck up. Yeah. Uh, we're gonna... Poland Spring, Dasani, Aquafina, Perrier, Evian, Voss, Smart Water, Fiji, Nestle. That's that's, that's about it. And then the rest are like I've never heard of. Uh I'm just gonna go really simple though. Just Brita filtered water. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Give me a A and W cream soda. You fuck! I thought that was totally gonna slip to five. Mm, I thought that was oh cream soda for sure. I was like, I can. I'm definitely, definitely winning this draft. Oh, get the fuck out of here! No shot. We'll let the fans decide. Fifth pick coming in. Give me a good cold blue Pepsi. Like a regular Pepsi. A regular Pepsi, dude. All right, we might have to call some. We might have to call the. We have to call the community in here. That is very similar to a can of Coca Cola. I think there's such a difference. See, I think because it's a polar divide, I think I'm willing to let that slide. Okay. I, I'm letting, I think I'm gonna allow that. I've never definitely won. a fifth round pick though. No, that's definitely. a fifth round pick. What do you mean? Yeah, good, good, good fifth, good fifth. Didn't um, get overdrafted there. Shit. There's a, there's a lot on the board here. There's a lot on the board. There's a lot. We're going to get shit on for this for sure. Um, for something we let slide. But I'm trying to think like what I drink on a day-to-day basis. The problem is I only be drinking water. I only drink water too. Um, ooh. Ooh. Give me ginger ale. Oh, okay. Canadian drop. Give me ginger ale. sleeper fifth round pick. Yeah, can't believe I let I like that. that. I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go with the yellow vitamin water. Interesting. All right. Interesting. More of a red, like pink vitamin water fan. Yeah, myself. but the yellow has sixty grams of caffeine milligrams. Was so that a was that was that five rounds? That is five rounds. So we have mixed draft. We got Minute Maid pink lemonade, Dr Pepper high C fruit punch, red Gatorade, and Pepsi. Sorry, the hiccups. Zach has Coca-Cola, Sprite, chocolate milk, Brita filtered water, ginger ale. And I have Arnold Palmer, Mango Arizona, Sunny D, A&W, cream soda, and yellow vitamin water. All right, Dude, yours is up. just like a real aesthetic draft. Like those things are cool to look at. Yeah. But I think I've got to take the crown here on taste. You have like the fucking eight-year-old with diabetes playing center. Dude, yeah, Dr. Pepper has 23 flavors, dog. 23 different ones in there. You, how about this? Let's just start ringing off, ringing off honorable mentions because I just had more pop into my head. Uh, we let coffee go undrafted. Damn. Um, oh, not a coffee guy, bro. Doesn't matter, bro. That needs doesn't to be matter. on the board. That needs yeah, to be co- on the board. Co- especially since we talked about caffeine, coffee, Celsius, Red Bull, uh, Monster, fuck. A whole category of people yeah. out. Yeah, um, just plain old sweet tea kind of fell off just because Grayson already had two type of teas, so I didn't want to follow suit. Yeah, tea um, there. I'm trying to think of other things. 
Yeah. I'm a big um, sweet tea guy too, man. I can't believe I missed that. I think coffee. I think the cat. We had it such a long caffeine conversation, and then we just fucking yeah hit the bed there pretty hard. Yeah, we kind of lost it. Um, orange juice. Orange um, juice. I was thinking about Tropicana orange juice, but I was like, ah, I yeah. don't know. Yeah. Milk. Milk. I said not a big OG yeah. milk. I'm more of a chocolate. I, I said chocolate milk. That's why, like, I was like, there's milk, but then like chocolate milk is just like. I like the strawberry Nesquik milk also. Yeah. By the way, what kind of uh, I don't know if y'all had this at your lunch, whether you went to private school or not, but what kind of cart were you grabbing? Were you grabbing your strawberry milk, your pink carton? Yeah, Went to private school my whole life. Dude, the white carton. You want just regular milk, dude? If it was regular a, milk, if I had to grab it, dude. Dude, I'm okay. Here's the thing, though. Did they serve us milk at lunch? I, I'm sure they they definitely did once I moved to Eastlake. Yeah. Because now that I think about it, that's so fucking weird. Like, they were just feeding us milk throughout the day. No wonder somebody <laughs> can shit and puke. <laughs> by the way by the way does everyone just have like i don't know if it's just me does everyone have that random like middle or elementary school moment where like uh a kid in their class is randomly like shit their <laughs> bro i just saw a tiktok on that yesterday it's like <laughs> one day in third grade timmy just in the corner throwing it <laughs> everyone has that like burned in their memory where just one kid sitting there and he's just like i'm gonna <laughs> I'm going to lose it all in front of everyone. I remember that. We had a fat – I'm not going to say his name because I remember his name. But we had this fat kid in my first grade class. <laughs> and we're like – it's like the end of the day. I don't know why I vividly remember this. It's like the end of the day, and the teacher's like like showing like, all right, this is what we learned today. This is what we're going to have tomorrow. Doesn't raise his hand, does nothing. Just stands up, walks to the garbage can, and just pukes his brains out of it. <laughs> my- like, what the fuck is going on right now? Mine was way more terrifying. We were in art class in third grade, and we're all sitting there normally, and this girl just starts crying. And I'm just like, everyone's like, what are you crying for that? Laura, you're okay? And then out of nowhere, just a puddle of piss. Like, what is that? And oh, at first, like, my third grade brain had never seen that before, so in my mind, I was like, that's a lot of tears. And then I was like, holy shit, that's not tears. Like, that girl pissed her pants. Because like, that's a reputation ruiner. Like, if you peed your pants. Oh if you peed your pants. God. Yeah, no, you're the you know? pants kid. You're the pee you're pants. Done, pants. Done till middle school, bro. Yeah, you got yeah. to. Yeah, and even then, you can't go to the middle school everyone else goes to. You got to be the one no. that, like, finds the alternative. The and children. hope the word doesn't travel over there. Yeah. Like, hey, bro, remember when you pissed your pants in middle school? <laughs> school? Definitely. Wait. All right, last talking point. Would you say it hurts her or helps her more that she's a girl in that situation? Helps. No, I think girls are way more. I think I, I think I if think you're a dude, it's like ah, oh, Jimmy just pissed himself, and Jimmy's like, yeah, fuck yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah, Not, guys, you can bounce off better. Girls will yeah. never let that shit. Yeah, go. I, I think it's worse. I think I think it's like more innocent if it's a girl, so it's like a little sadder. But I think like if I piss my pants, I'm like fuck, dude, I just piss myself, and your buddy's like, I go throw your underwear away. No, like it's like not that big of a deal. But if the girl, oh, oh my god, Stacy pissed herself. Yeah. I mean, yeah, fuck. It, like, I gotta out myself. The only time I had an incident like this was kindergarten, and I it, it was a it was a game break. We were at recess, and I really had to oh, take. Oh, dude, couldn't but, wait till like, we were go inside. Yeah, no, nah, dude, we were in the middle of tag, and I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna. Zach, Zach was definitely the fucking kid that would 
not drink water all day and then sprint as much as he could and just down a gallon at the water fountain. No, no. This is what happened. We were playing tag and the, our rule was like, I don't know why I remember this so vividly. It was like, you couldn't like go use the restroom while you're playing tag. Cause then technically like you just couldn't be tagged. Like you were just going to hide in the restroom like a little asshole. So then I remember I had to take a shit while we were playing tag and I was like, well, fuck, man, I can't, I can't go like say I got to use the restroom. We just got to wait till the round's over. Problem is I decided to use my goaded hiding spot for that one round. And I'm like, oh my God, like this is the worst decision ever. And then as like the games are coming to an end, I was like, fuck it. I was like, I just gotta, I just gotta get tagged and like, I'll take, I'll like take it what is this. So I'm like running out, like grabbing my like <laughs> pants. I'm like, I'm like, tag me, tag me, please, please. I get tagged. The moment I get tagged, shit my pants immediately. Like, no, like, no pause. Just take wait, off. Wait, it wasn't pee. It was shit. No, I shit my pants. <laughs> I shit my pants, and immediately just this guy booked it. Just oh booked it. Gosh. Booked it inside, and then here's where I made it worse. I didn't tell anyone I shit my pants because, like, I'm by myself. Like, you're just by yourself. You just run off. Like, I like have the bright idea. I'm like, I'm just gonna throw my underwear away in the school garbage can, and then just wear shorts. I'm just gonna go commando as a kindergartner. Little did I know, or little did I forget that uh, we all share the same fucking bathroom in kindergarten. Like we just have that one restroom in the room. So the teacher uses the restroom first afterwards, and she's like, "We're like, what?" The <laughs> so she comes out. She goes, "I don't want to out anybody." She goes, "I don't want to out anybody." But um, whoever threw their underwear in the garbage, thank God she didn't expose me, and she wasn't like whoever shit their pants. She was yeah. Just- she was like, whoever left their underwear in the garbage, um, just talk to me after class. If you I, know, like, <laughs> I had to go. It, I'd it, have bit the bullet, bro. I'd have bit the fuck. I'd have been like, you're going to need to pull every single person's <laughs> pants down to check if I fucking shit myself. Oh, yeah. And then when I get done, I'm just, oh, look at Zach. Look at him. He's not wearing any underwear. Oh, my like, God. Thank God I didn't get outed as the pants pooper though. I, I survived that ridicule, but but I I Your did. Teacher's have, a G for that. Your teacher's a G for that. My teacher's my teacher's G. It, by the way, it was like one of those Christian academies too, so I would have been like, just done, done. Yeah, game over, yeah. game over. Knowing yeah. those kids your whole life, never living it down. Yeah. Ooh. Damn, but hey, guys, that was uh almost two and a half hours. Fucking. Great pod. I had a blast. Nick, thank you for taking time out of your day for this, brother. I really appreciate it. Um, of course, dude. Thanks for having me on. Any final words, statements, people to check you out on anything? This is your time. Surge Baseball 2023 playoffs start tomorrow, barring weather. Okay, folks. Winning a ring, moving on, will be home in September. You don't need my social just go search the name. You Where know what I mean? Where can you want to see it, you can. Uh, EmpireLeagueBaseball.com. Look for the streams. Let's go. What time tomorrow? 5 p.m. If it gets rained out, then 5 p.m. on Saturday. Let's go. Good luck, brother. We're, we're going to be cheering you on from clocks. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me on. Hell yeah. Great to talk about some man's man's things. Yeah, we thought we had a very manly podcast today. Yeah, shit and pants, porn, caffeine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
<laughs> Nothing's more manly than shit your pants. Yeah, but uh, episode 93, Baseball Pod with Nick Daniels. Thank you guys for tuning in.